Three, two, one. Press the wrong button there. Hello, willkommen, bienvenue, konnichiwa, ni hao, jambo, marhaba. Time for the Armist Inquisition yet again. Coming in your ears on the 30th of January 2022, episode 217. I'm Armish Phil. I'm Armish Fan. And I'm Armish Matt. The dwarf, Whoa. the cripple, and the mother of madness. <laughs> Crack, I'm so slow tonight. Rope is out. I know, yeah. Long Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. And tonight's guest for 217 is Nick Kenyon from the Pier Hat in Manchester. Mm. How are you doing, Nick? Not too badly. Very good. Been thanks. better, been better, been worse. Sort of fair. It's the same for most of us, isn't it? I would imagine so, yes. Fair to middling. Fair to middling. Expression. Yeah. Um, I prefer middling to fair, actually. I'm going to go, I'm going to class half a uh, you know, full kind of a person. Good. Yeah. Uh, one of our listeners um, sent us a video of you speaking at some sort of event, uh, what, back end of last year? It was about October sometime? Uh, September, I think. Oh, was it late August? September. I think it was early September. Mid-September. Uh, what was all that about? It was about vaccine passports. Um, it, uh, what it was, was a group of people on the left, in inverted commas, um, had sensed that I might be, I possibly from my blog, which is a very small readership, and I've not written on it for a while, but I think they sensed that I might be um, um, sympathetic to the cause if you will um you know being anti-vaccine passport which i was um and it took place in the quaker meeting hall in the center of manchester to not a huge crowd if i'm frank maybe 100 people or so uh, and it was just like that I, I i spoke um just after that had happened or just before that had happened i get this out of the way now so i don't uh we don't have a any markish moments later, but like my father just passed away. And I think at the time I really was pretty cavalier about using that in my, in my speech. So I, I think I got a standing ovation because, uh, I touched a card with the, um, you know, with, with some with people with big hearts, put it like that. But I mean, it, it was what it was. It was still, uh, it was as truthful as I could make it. So, yeah. So I'm just trying to think back to that time. Um, if I'm right in remembering, around this time, the autumn, the idea of vac- vaccine passports was floated, and they said we're yeah. going to bring it in at the end of whatever. I think it was the end of October, maybe, or the end of November. Yeah. And I remember thinking at the time that this sounds like one last stab at coercion to try and push the people who are on the fence over that line. To uh, to sort of acquiesce to the the demands. I mean, what was your feeling at the time? Because I mean, you, to, uh, for people obviously who don't know you, you run a bar in Manchester, so this is very much applicable to your way of life and all the rest of it. That's what? right. So, like, whatever I say, 
I guess, regardless of what I perceive to be its universality, it is within the context of my own existence. So you're right. Yeah, I was, you know, bang in the on the front line, so to speak, using that horrible war metaphor they're so mm. fond of. Well, there's been a lot of that going on, hasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, my my feeling was really not one of surprise. Uh, I'd been expecting it pretty much. Uh, this sort of count. If you, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd hesitate to say countercultural elements, but the the kind of people I tend to associate with in my day to day life and such, um, we were pretty much sure that something like this was going to happen of at the in fact even at the entire point of the thing might well be to get passports in so it was like up oh, here it comes just waiting for that penny to drop there it is let's try it now so it was like that really just a sense of um the inevitable taking place so yeah i mean right so you were sort of quite confident when you made that speech that this was actually going to Go through vaccine passport. I'm, I'm no, I wouldn't say that. I'd say I, w- I was confident that we're going to make one enormous effort to make that so. I actually, as I say, I am a reasonably optimistic person. And um, excuse me, this stupid alarm. <laughs> I am a reasonably optimistic person. And um, my, uh, my my feeling is that they're going to fail. The Tower Tarot card tells us this. You know, um, the Tower of Babel tells us this. Uh, many of our deepest myths speak to the failure of those who attempt to impose complete control over living systems. It's just a... Uh, one of those, uh, I won't say a standard myth, but it's something I think we feel deep inside ourselves. That doesn't mean, of course, in the process of failing to do it, they don't absolutely fuck everybody up for generations. You know, it's like it's a scant sort of uh, victory. If like, oh, they failed to get vaccine passports through, but you know, now I'm you know surviving on a can of rotten tomatoes or something. You know, I mean, maybe being a bit harsh there, but I'm not not. Are a bit too extreme, but I, 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 I think that's the general vibe. Pull everyone down with you, kind of. Well, that's with them anyway. So yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think they would necessarily succeed at putting a vaccine passport through. Um, but the, yeah, the the sturm and dang around it is is definitely of huge concern. And yeah. um, you know, totalitarian regimes have come and gone over the course yeah. of history, and. Uh, they're often very damaging. Um, the way I see it is that there's a certain government in the Far East which we seem to be trying to emulate gradually. Mm. And, and it seems like we're on a slippery slippery slope to, uh, to follow certain ideas, certain approaches of how uh, people can be governed more easily and uh, some sort of health passport seems like a very useful tool and uh, this this sort of crisis we've been in the, for the last two years has speeded up what's been in the planning for for a lot longer you know the eu um 
vaccine passport. I can't remember what the actual term was they used for it, but it wasn't meant to come until I think 2025. And obviously, yeah. when all this kept kicked off, well, this is a a wonderful opportunity. <laughs> To sort of Absolutely. help things along and speed things along. And Absolutely. we don't know where the chips are going to fall uh, as far as things like international travel. Um, I mean, if you'd have gone back to early 2020 and um, suggested that there could be some sort of domestic uh, vaccine passport system introduced, mm-hmm. most people would have laughed at you and called you a conspiracy theorist, um, rightly or wrongly. I mean, what's your sort of underlying um, philosophical reasoning for being against vaccine passports? Uh, I, I, was it Charles Eisenstein said it, uh, safety third. I mean, my, I, I thought about it <laughs> like, uh, you know, freedom first, compassion second, safety third is the way I look at it. And uh, that is, I, I think that's my, from the hip response to it. If you, on another level, uh, you don't you 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 don't get in the way of the flow. It just doesn't. That's not how it works to me. And that's not how I perceive reality to work. That's not my experience of reality, and that's not what I feel I'm here for. If I am here for anything, that's not like I say. Everything's my context. I will say this, let's come back to something you said um, about uh, China. I think China's turn as the the, the evil empire is inevitable. Power, I think, travels west, you know, and and it goes round. And I think China essentially is about, you know, unifying itself and then becoming the, the primary economic mover. I think um, some people have said that you know the center, you know, money, uh, the sense, you know, the financial center will be like Beijing in by twenty thirty two. I could see that, and there's a whole bunch of thrashing and crying from the West as it tries to resist that inevitability. That is not to say, by the way, that I uh, welcome our Chinese overlords. <laughs> <laughs> But no, just before someone said, "Oh wait, he's he's he's, he's working for China." Actually, <laughs> um, it's not that. Um, look, empires—it's like you said, empires come and empires go, and people still live, and it keeps coming at you. Um, none of this really makes any kind of sense without good metaphysics. That's ultimately where one is at with it. So it comes back to you ask about <laughs> philosophy. You're only asking about metaphysics. You can't have good philosophy without metaphysics that makes sense around this and to me like i say life keeps coming you could some call it maybe it's the kali yuga is a good sort of possibility i'm not necessarily a hundred percent um with idealism you know vedantic thought and such I, though i am quite partial to it i must admit on occasion um but you're here to witness it it's fucking coming whatever you do and you look at there's the ruins of the Roman Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, previous Chinese empires, empires, ruins all over the place, and people kept having sex, arguing, fighting, doing other things, living their lives, um, and so it goes round and round. We just got to live. I guess the danger is is that uh, the tools are a lot more advanced 
when it comes to creating an empire and then controlling an empire and sustaining one. And this is something yeah. uh, that is more concerning, the way technology can be used to suppress populations, whether it's the Great Firewall. Mm-hmm. That's assuming or, we haven't had this level of technology and greater in the past, <laughs> of course. Obviously. I mean, how far Obviously. down the rabbit hole do we want to go here? It's all cycles up and down. You don't resist a cycle. You know, you're familiar with Armstrong, right? Martin Armstrong. Who's economic that? confidence. Economic confidence model. No, go on, it's what's that? Basically, in short, not being a mathematician myself, he's sort of kind of fig- sort of noted that boom and bust cycles can be essentially looked at through uh figured out according to pi. So he sees like there'll be a a cycle of boom where people are uh, buying stocks, then there'll be a cycle, then they'll stop buying stocks and start buying bonds. So it's private confidence, public confidence, private confidence, public confidence. He looked at these and it's like he, had, he comes up with this algorithm, roughly based off pi. Don't ask me to do the maths. I'm, again, this is there's some kind of expertiseism here, but whatever. And he saw that in essence, you know, the, the the, the inference there is that it, you know the Great Depression didn't happen because there was a agricultural or a crop failure. It happened because we were at that point on the cycle on the on the model, and he, he got he, he actually went went to prison for what they, they couldn't figure out why he was making money on the stock market. Um, Martin Armstrong, he's a he's a kind of right wing to be honest. Like, but unfortunately, his politics are awful. He's like a Thatcher friend, but as a mystic. Fucking really interesting. You know, you can't you throw the baby out with the bathwater, etc. So we look at that. We can look at astrological cycles as well. And we can look and we can also maybe, if we want to sort of like dip our toe into other areas of, uh, you know, cycle models, we can look at, you know, the way waves behave, where you know, the way all of it, everything seems to behave is when we observe it. Anyway, we can get into the quantum fan bangle kind of ideas. So... Yes, technology will make it easier to control. Um, I tend to subscribe to the idea it's like cosmic whack-a-mole, though. You bring up, if you bring one thing into existence, you bring its opposite into existence also. So right. if you bring, oh, the total control technology also brings with it the concept of complete freedom beyond what we have previously. How that manifests itself Means to be seen in larger populations. That's yeah. what I would say. That's my, I mean, very by whom I'm a schlub. I run a music venue. So, I mean, you know, what do I know? I think we're at a huge disadvantage to people who've been put under the thumb in previous p- periods of history. For a start, we're completely, completely unself sufficient. Yeah, absolutely. We don't have land. We don't, we don't know how to grow. I don't know how to build a fucking house. You know, it's a, well, we're so reliant on the infrastructure inherent. Mm. Um, if we abdicate things like cash and and uh, adopt centralized digital currencies, you're you're a click of a mouse away from being completely turned off from your money supply. Yeah, um, there are so many potential dangers coming over the next ten, twenty years that people are just completely oblivious about. And yeah. they just want to do, get go along to get along, and it won't happen to us. And mm, net, what's on Netflix, <laughs> you know? I, I I totally hear you. Um, at the same time, 
we, you know, and obviously when we look at these kind of things, we can feel impotent as if our actions won't have any effect. There's a lot to be said about that, though, as regarding um, just what actions are uh, that we can take, how much weight they have, whether the small action is actually there's a lot more impact, a lot more impact than we would give it uh, give it credit. Um, there are little things we can. When I, when I think when you say, "Oh, well, you know, we don't have money and such," and, and uh, we don't, and we want well, how to put it. Um, yeah, we can be cut off from the money supply and we're, we're not we're lacking self-sufficiency and we don't know how to do this and that. What we do find, I think, is that in whatever communities we're able to put together, and the key is community, each of us holds a little piece of a puzzle. Each of us can say, oh, well, I know a little. Actually, you don't know how to build a house. Why not? I build a shed. Or someone says, well, I don't know how to salt a fish, but I do. And slowly but surely, we can look maybe to indigenous frameworks, not stealing their shit, not stealing their, you know, we've stolen their headdresses, we've stolen their land, and now we're stealing their you know, ideas and their metaphysics. But framework-wise, if you look at something like, um, you know, um, I'm trying to think of a, a good example of a, of a particular culture, like a Shipibu gift culture or gift economy, where, like, Actually, the way we deal with each other when we're seven, you know, it can be based off, like I say, what we're able to give and offer one another in that sense. Not just like a trade or barter, but it's like, you know, getting to know your neighbors is actually a radical act in this time. You know, you, can, <laughs> like, you know, it's like, this is where we're at. In this one sense, it's like, oh, fuck, what the hell do we do? Well, just make friends with your neighbor, you fucking idiot. It's not like rocket science, you know? Form a community or get part made part of you know form, open yourself up to people and what they have to offer because they're all, they're all right. So there's a lot of dickheads around, I know, but even them, they're wounded. We're all wounded, and they, what do they say? The wound is where the light comes in. So go to where the tension is. If you read tarot cards, you'll note that like if you do it well, you go to where the pain is. Okay, so always like try and give the person the worst fucking reading you can because that's the one. Like looking at like your three card spread and be like, where has it hurt? That's where it hurts, and you can sort of apply that to just about everything in life. Um, you ever watched? I mean, I obviously some of the things I'm hugely into. Um, um, do you, ever, you know Rune Soup, Garden White, and Rune Soup? Oh, advisor uh, it's a chaos magic community as it happens but like um he he introduced me to uh, an anthropologist called donna haraway and she had this idea which is very similar actually and it's so strange it's called staying with the trouble stay with the trouble so when we have things like black lives matter or um lgbtq plus sort of like radical i say radical some people it's not radical rights depending on your perspective um um, what was I talking about? Hold on. Rune soup. Not rune soup. But what was ah staying with the trouble? That's one I totally forgot to stay with the trouble. The opposite there. Um, you can see you can see that like um, rather than kind of engaged in this permanent sort of violent. Uh, what's the word again? Like um, redemptive attempt to redeem oneself by sitting with people's anger and experiencing rage, all that 
we can really ever do is be aware of, say, empire, for example, be aware of the suffering that has been caused and let that inform our actions. That is ultimately it. And in that, by that same token, stay with the trouble. Where does it hurt? Where is the pain? It's like if you're going to take a bunch of uh, mushrooms or ayahuasca or anything like that before you go in there, you're going to say, where does it hurt? Where, like if you do like uh, John Hopkins studies at the moment, they'll run you through an inventory of all the things that are right and wrong with your life. You'll go through it. What's your diet like? What's your sleep like? Who do you know? Who you're talking to? Is anybody pissing you off at the moment? All this kind of thing. And then once you're in there, when the bad trip happens, you go straight to where it hurts. Same thing, same quality. I think it's uh, elegant. Right? Do you think it's elegant? Uh, how does it apply to the tarot? Because I've never done the tarot. How's it? So if, if you were going to do a tarot reading for me, how would that work? Right. So um, there's a lot of different methodologies for reading tarot. The ones that spring immediately to most people's minds are the things that come with the little books. If you buy a tarot deck, and there'll be a little book, and it'll say, this is what this means, this is what that means, this is what this means. Ah, <laughs> oh, devil's bad, death means whatever it means, new life, etc., etc. all these things. Um, I uh, became interested in a, a writer called uh, Camellia Elias, and she basically proposed like a Zen methodology of reading. And what this style says is that meaning is context-based, always changes depending on the context that you're in. It's not set. Like, she would say this, because she's kind of like that Zen thing, she'd say this sort of no meaning, nothing exists. I'm not 100% with that, but it's really useful in this sense. And you will basically say everything comes from the question. So the question is your context. So you say somebody say, oh, well, should I stay with this person or should I leave this person? You draw three cards. And if the devil comes up, for example, using the devil again, it's just an obvious one. It doesn't necessarily mean something bad or like, oh, this means that this person is going to be committed to the flesh and not to the higher form of love. It means whatever is specific to that question, it changes and shifts. So it's essentially saying what you're looking at the cards and saying, what do you see? Same as you can look at a situation in life. Don't try and read like fucking behind the curtain. Don't try and sort of bring it down. What, what does it, what are they really getting at? Look at what is happening. Identify where the pain is in tarot. It would be the ten. Like, there would be tension in the cards. So you'd say perhaps there might be. You'd look along if you drew a three card spread. You'd look uh, across the cards. You try and identify where you know just through your eyes, just through what you see. Like if you see seven swords clustered around, you go, well, there. That looks a bit sharp and spiky and hard. So that means something there. You know but what does it mean in the context of the larger question? So do you, go, do you go in armed with a question, like an ayahuasca ceremony? Uh, if one was to come to um, somebody for a, a tarot reading, I'd, yeah, you want a question. And you know, sometimes when I've done it for people, um, well, I've discovered this, they, um, 
are essentially like, okay, I've got a question. I'm like, well, what is it? I'm not telling you. Otherwise, that 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 prove you you're you're just a fake. I'm like, well, I'm not trying to be a fake. I'm not psychic. Do you want your question <laughs> answering or not? You know. So let's get it out there. We'll work at this and see what it is, and then it becomes apparent. And quite often, people um, already know the answer to the questions they're asking. Quite often, sometimes they don't. That's when you start to get palpitations. And uh, but yeah, I know that you know. feeling. Um, yeah. When did you when did you get into the uh, into the tarot then, Nick? Tarot, not mm. actually uh, uh, supremely long ago. I've been into the. Um, into magical, magical consciousness, the occult, and such for about probably about fifteen years, I'd say, but with okay. increasing intensity. Um, initially, was you could say tarot in particular. I will. I'd like to. It's better to include it as a larger whole because once I wouldn't say I was like, oh, I became interested in tarot necessarily. I was becoming interested in divination and systems of divination, and that essentially came out of. Um, this is where I ruined my credibility. Uh, taking lots of psychedelic drugs until um, common, common theme. This would, isn't it? Uh, you know, has that happened before? Is this um, a constant thing? You keep getting people. Yeah, of course it is. Well, you know, <laughs> this is a possibility. Why are mushrooms here? Why are these liberty cats growing on our hills? They grow there. It's not. You know, I, I take great issue with some of the people at John Hopkins and such. In the moment, were saying, right, look, we think mushroom therapy is really good, but you've got to do it with a trained psychotherapist or a shaman now i get that don't get me wrong i totally understand where they're coming from at the same time liberty caps are growing in those fields out there on them their hills there are no psychotherapists in manchester who are going to recommend i take them i'll take you through them there are no indigenous shaman or or, ryan seven (laughs) i think he, he qualifies as shaman well, that's not that's a, that's a touchy spot for Ryan at the moment. Yeah, he might. Hey, look, I mean, I don't. I, the, the I'm being facetious. I'm being facetious. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I actually think it's it kind of keys into what I'm saying in a way because if I'm if I'm getting you correctly, like it falls to those of us who are interested in the this matter to map the territory a bit. I mean, uh, I guess in that Terence McKenna-like sense, it's a, it's a, I don't, you can't be cavalier about it. At the same time, what the fuck are we going to do? And wait for the establishment to allow us to do this, or wait to rediscover indigeneity? We have to rediscover indigeneity and define what that means for us in 2022. In where are you guys, Preston? Yeah, Preston. What's in, <laughs> you know, what does indigeneity mean in Preston? It's like, you know wait for your doctor to prescribe mushrooms good luck you know but um yeah to come back to yeah uh what the initial question it's like um being a musician mm. trying to figure out um when i initially went there i was very depressed nihilistic atheist and uh they don't necessarily go together but in my case they did and um well, nihilism and atheism are like hand in glove well right? yes oh, both yeah. actually yeah 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 so I, I think some fragment of my childhood memory had, 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 had remained, and I, I, I embraced one last effort to try and sort of rekindle something before I tried to persuade myself I was Ian Curtis. And instead, I got this uh, 
amazing life-changing experience as opposed to religious experience yeah um that sort of changed my perspective as as an artist mm-hmm. um and of course it, it brought certain things it's a, it's a long story and long a lot of things happen along the way but mm-hmm. it, it brought certain ideas into into sharp focus I certainly became interested in magic uh is just you know i've always i certainly always like the like a hardcore atheist would say you just want it to exist well yeah i did of course i wanted it to exist i found it illuminated my very being to concede that magic might be real and these there might be something numinous to life although by the way the same thing they never really think to apply to say they that's not fair to say but often people who use the argument fail to apply the same reasoning to themselves like they also equally want there to be nothing. You know, it's like, oh, you just want to comfort yourself. Oh, oh I'm sorry, you don't. I guess it. You love being in discomfort. I see that in you. But, um, yeah, um, where was I? We got, you got into magic, and was that... Yeah. So from the, from the psychedelic experience, yeah, what was your, throws, your journey into esoterica? Yeah, it throws so much in, so into question it basically taught me if one thing I, I took away from the the life-changing side of it was that i was too arrogant um mm. to presume that i knew anything and <laughs> i certainly couldn't assume that i knew enough to kill myself what well, that was insane like i still nah, i don't know anything and therefore you become interested in the stuff that sort of oh well that's not real you push at it a bit, pull at the threads, and then, you know, it seems, it's at first it seems to be real. It, then you convince yourself that it is real, but you never stop having awe at things which are fantastic and bizarre um, to, you know, everyday life, everyday reality. Um, yeah. <laughs> you, what instrument do you play, Nick? I am... Well, I, I, I play my own mind, man. I'm a singer songwriter. <laughs> I um, I like I I I, si- I I sing. I write songs. I play the guitar to back myself up. Um, I like playing with bands, but it's uh, the bottom line is I don't really. Recent times, since my my last band went kaput, which was a about. 18 months ago i mean i trained we trained them up we spent a couple of years practicing and they both fucked off to mexico to form an ayahuasca retreat of all things i was just like <laughs> what is the point of doing you know back to square one find more people do it again um no and also i i i, I don't know how universal i am in terms of you know my appeal like obviously someone like you know, John Lennon's great appeal was his universality. And then that was sort of torpedoed, I think, once he uh, met Yoko. I don't think anything bad about her in per se, but I think that that aspect of him, the thing that made him wonderful and amazing was like, oh no, now I'm going to make every song's going to be about my struggles and my anger and the way I, it's like, no, not interested. It's like, give me the thing that's beautiful. He couldn't see what was beautiful about his own talent. But um, the thing that I noticed in myself, and this 
certainly came about as my interest in well and, and in magic grew and its interest in me grew was that most of my songs were about the same thing and that was essentially trying to bring a hazy female shape just out of sight into closer focus um pursuing this feminine thing this energy if you like this woman Oh, you see it over and over again, like, oh, why, why is this happening? I guess I've got some sort of issue. Have you read what Robert Graves, The White Goddess? No. Right, so, I mean, Wicca used it as kind of, I'm, I'm not Wicca. I should say that quickly. I'm not, I'm not, and also, I don't denigrate anyone who is Wicca. But um, I think Gardner used it, and a lot of neo-pagans use it as a basis for some of their thinking. But what really interested me about it was this idea that was poetry, true poetry, um, was something separate from poetry with a small p. And for a poem to be a poem, it had to, A, be a paean to the goddess, like uh, which Graves identified as being like a, a universal female godhead that was pre-Asian invasion matriarchal, and was pushed west through across Europe over generations, centuries, millennia, eons even. Mm. And it finally into Spain, to Ireland, through Wales, into England, and it died out finally with the Christian uh, Christians stamping on these things. The divine feminine, uh, you would say. Yeah, the divine feminine, exactly. And he would say that it also had to, so it had to, A, worship that, or, B, or glorify that, and B, I'll address what happens next, e.g., beyond the veil when you die. So if it's not a po- it's not actually a poem unless it's e- it does those things. Now, actually, when you look at some of the great poems, you actually ah okay, the ones that make you you shiver, make make they give you the goosebumps. You see this sort of thing happening. You can even see it in like some of the Beatles songs and stuff. It's like oh wait a minute. This king keeps oh it's, his, it's Lennon's mother okay fine it's his mother he's bringing it back to himself again like I say torpedoing the universality uh, but you know, I, I started to get interested in this like okay I've been I've, I've sort of done this myself for a while and then later when I really got into magic um, first through some meetings with some Babylon Babylon heads in Manchester. Um, you were the Red Goddess, uh, Peter Gray. Oh, thinking Mick Hucknell. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mick Hucknell's got a very uh, modest Facebook presence. Have you ever been in his face? Uh, no. <laughs> but a, a friend of mine who plays gigs at Pier. How do you have a Pier modest <laughs> Facebook presence? It's honestly, it's it's it really it went up in my estimation uh, wow. because. It's a friend of mine, um, an older chap who was in there. He was one of the people who was at the free trade hall when the Sex Pistols played. And, um, <laughs> Wasn't everyone he, uh, at that gig? They were all at that gig, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. No, he was really there. He was though. definitely there, confirmed. He was really, he wasn't there. He was <laughs> one. I, 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 I choose to believe him. He's a, he's a, I, 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 it's better this way. And uh, <laughs> he's friends with Mick Hucknell and... Um, I don't really understand it because I, I was able to see him comment on Mick, on Mick Hucknell's Facebook page and it's all <laughs> very sort of like, nice one. You know, just, he's got like 45 Facebook friends or something. <laughs> and 
it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's something you should check out. If you, maybe it'd be, it'd be difficult to find, but um, I'll try and find some evidence of that for you at some point. <laughs> yeah, send, send us a link. I want to friend him and get him on the podcast. Yeah, screenshot oh, it. Screenshot I, I, he's a, I think he's a quite a private man. I think that, um, <laughs> it's, it's almost like somebody's dad or granddad has just discovered how to use Facebook and it's kind of like <laughs> how does this even fuck well here's a photograph of me with some of my friends and someone's like oh really nice picture Mick like that yeah. guy is so weird anyway it's it funny when that happens um, the Cosmic Tusk has just got Dr. Chandra Wickramasinghe on Twitter right and he's telling people to like go easy on him he's not sure what he's doing and <laughs> He's like a hundred years old. Yeah, he's eighty. He's, he's like like ninety. That guy now. He is. Yeah, he's knocking. Oh. On. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's nice, isn't it? In a way, but um, if it wasn't for the fact that, well, the, the obvious downside of Facebook's kind of corrosive influence on just about everything. Yeah. What do you make? Trace. What do you What do you make of uh, Zuckerberg's next move, the metaverse? Have you looked into that at all? Uh, I, I I presume you saw the uh, the opening advert for it. The, uh, <laughs> you must have seen it. The video. You're trying on, to watch on what? Do we? <laughs> on, was it on television? He had a like a, 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 a like a twenty minute intro video as to what it would. Uh, yeah, you go watch it. Oh my <laughs> god, I can't believe you mentioned it. I'm not, I'm not seen it. No, right. Basically, <laughs> he, um, oh, oh, it's so repulsive. He kind of like he's so naturalistic, and he comes in. He's like. I'm going to choose what I'm going to wear today in the metaverse. And he like chooses like a shit cartoon version of himself. And he walks in and his <laughs> friends, like they're playing poker in the metaverse. It's all like it's virtual world. And like one of them is a robot. Hey, Mark, it's me, Danny. I'm a robot. <laughs> and someone there is like, I'm the multi gendered sort of tentacular kind of being and stuff. And it's wow. Awesome. Hey, and he says like the robot person. I thought I was supposed to be the robot. He says, robot. Oh, so God. Yeah, I thought I was supposed to be the robot. <laughs> and, then, and then he, uh, he then it goes a bit further. And then, and they're like, hey, then they, 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 like, connect with somebody who's elsewhere on the planet. And they're like, hey, Mark, we've just come across some awesome virtual art. Um, there's this, like, shit 3D art thing on this wall. Yeah, and NFT. Like, they're all going... <laughs> Yeah, they're all going, whoa, it's awesome. Then one of them goes, oh, wait, look, it's fading away. It's like, don't worry, I'll add some more spon- I'll add some more sponsorship chips so the art won't fade away as quickly. Oh, Never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's like, don't. And the other highlight is when he says, you can have your own completely inspiring view out of your window and you can choose anything you like. It's like, you know, some, you know, a mountain, the Swiss Alps. It's like beautiful. You know, even though anyone with like half a soul, this is what, this is why I say why I'm optimistic. They're also like spiraling into kind of a, a total irrational a madness. A, uh, it, it's the decreasing sense of awareness of what they're doing. And it's like, how, you know, when someone's saying, you know, they're not even aware of like, basic fucking tropes and then the guy's a nerd he's not you know some cyberpunk dude kind of twitching on the floor with a brain dance taking place like like oh it's a totally inspiring view and it's like what no no it's, it's preposterous really watch that oh my god it is it's hard to watch. it's I also don't... stupid it renders stupid stupid it, yeah you 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 and me might think it's it's stupid nick but i think we're in the minority 
I think oh, most yeah. people are going to lap this fucking turd show up. I think a lot, you know, it's, it's just, I suppose it's another level of just checking out, isn't it? You mentioned Netflix and all the rest of it. Oh, escapism. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Escaping your, your soma, isn't it? It's another way of putting it. Yeah, but it's, it's Brave New World. A little bit. But I suppose the other thing as well is, you know, how, I suppose, how do you feel that's different towards like World of Warcraft or Second Life or things like that? What's the difference between that and the metaverse, for example? I mean, World of Warcraft's awful. I mean, all those are, they're all terrible ways of spending time. They have that thing, don't they, in Chinese prisons where they make people build <laughs> characters to World of Warcraft and sell them to Western teenagers. Never. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's not, it's like, what's, how do you think that's different from having your uh, small, your, your, your little finger cut off is it better to have your little finger cut off with a pair of scissors? Or is it better to have your nose smashed in with a hammer? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's like, I, I, I like, I, I think computer games can be good for bringing people together sometimes. There's no doubt about that. And there's nothing, and there were that whole, that thing that people gathered around the couch, played GoldenEye. Like, yeah, yeah. Some, oh, Mar- Mar- it was Mario Kart in our day. Yeah, Mario Kart, no, it was yeah, Superstar, yeah. Or, uh, International like, Superstar Soccer. Yeah. WWF at the time, No Mercy. <laughs> nice. Honestly, yeah. they, they really, they, they absolutely never bettered a wrestling combat system <laughs> in, uh, in console form. I um, think the difference, of that. it's like it's hmm? pre-internet, isn't it? So you still had to have a, a physical, well, oh, necessarily, right. you had to have some people around in person, yeah. didn't you, I guess? Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? Some of my, yeah. like, the memories of me laughing the hardest, like laughing myself to tears, is of us playing Mario Kart yeah. and getting drunk when we were 16 or 17 or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I would just howl with laughter because it was just <laughs> hilarious. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere with that. <laughs> no, just, no, just... no, no, there were good times, but and like I say, come... I think computer games, certainly from a the perspective of a magical perspective, because meditation is such a huge part of magic, and I guess art as well as I've come to see they, they coincide really. Uh, and maybe I'll come back to what I was saying again in a minute. But like um, computer games actually interfere with that. If you play something where you're kind of there's a lot of stuff moving around on the screen, it's like your the mind wherever it is can only deal with one alternate universe at a time so you close your eyes and you get all the fucking stuff moving around that you've been if you oh what's this it's like golden axe like no i like i mean or whatever the fucking thing is these days and diablo <laughs> fortnite like, um, so um there is that side to it and I, I do think though you know as well that like like I mentioned Dungeons and Dragons when we were off air. I'm, I'm happy to mention it again on air, by the way. I, I don't think there's a stigma with it these days. I think we've come fiercely into the lights, the proven that we're not sad, uh, and we are actually quite on it now in many ways. Um, culture has proven it. Vin, as you've seen, Vin Diesel, he likes Dungeons and Dragons. Does he? Right. Massive right. Um, sign of, uh, um, I don't know, it's cool, isn't he? Right, definitely cool. And Graham, Graham from Grime America, he's a big D and D fan. I mean, he's it, cool. It was always something that interests me, um, but I just never got into it. I maybe I could just never convince you to play D and D with me. Yeah, it's not a solo game, is it? No, it is not a solo game. It is storytelling, and it comes back to 
I mean, the actual kind of D&D I like to play these days, I like the, a little bit of the game side of it too. It's like, it's got to be harsh. And then people, a lot of people are like, it, it moved to a lot of iterations, role-playing games, it went into sort of like a, a narrative phase. Everyone was sort of telling each other stories and validating each other. And yeah, we're all working together to create a narrative and aping other narrative systems. It's like, no, sometimes you roll your carriage and you're dead because rocks fall on you after 15 seconds. Why did you die? Was it me? It wasn't meaningful. No, it wasn't. You just fucking died. Oh, you failed your poison. Save versus poison. You're dead immediately. Yeah. Deal with it. Suck it up. Anyway, that's a different story. That's a different podcast, actually. <laughs> but um, storytelling, though, it, it does come from storytelling. And that is when I said before, when we try to find indigeneity and trying to map the territory, it's like trying to find stories to tell that are fucking interesting and make us come alive, make us live, I think. Which is why precisely part of the problem with the whole vaccine passport thing is that, um, you know, it's a terrible story. You know, no one wants to be part of that. And it is a story in as much as it's a narrative that people form. Plague is a narrative. It goes back, you know, everyone knows it's a bit like that predictive programming thing. Everybody knows what the plague story is. Oh, my God. Quarantine. we got to start. Oh, my God. It's spreading quicker than we could ever imagine. It's, oh, it's, never, it's, it's airborne. Not, <laughs> yeah, it's that airborne. was the one. It's gone airborne. <laughs> it's mutated. It's, uh, it's taken it. It's, oh, my God. It's, it's hemorrhaging. Ah, mom. Mom. This is before COVID. You know, it's just, it's just like in fucking films, loads of films, yeah. computer games, books. Like... The Bible, you know, it's like a fucking, you know, it's a, it's just another, it's a, a plague narrative, and people are caught in that story right now. That's why they can't. How do they get out of it? They don't know how to get out of it. No one knows how to end it because it's. Oh, where is it? How do you end the plague story? Oh, the Great Fire of London. You got to burn the fucking city down to end the plague, which is totally mental when you think about it the great the, the, the plague that you know devastated the world the bubonic plague ended during the great fire of london and that was it because all the rats that had the plague were in that one place the end next <laughs> but it had to be an event something to well um like a party in lockdown yeah. maybe <laughs> that ended the uh current restrictions didn't it quite well well you see we're controlled by these these elite fuckers <laughs> Who make the rules and who are just totally all they all they concerned about is keeping their job. Oh right? yeah. So if circumstances change <laughs> and they've been found to have been partying when they should not have been, yeah. Then maybe they will bring forward easing restrictions to yeah. get them off the fucking front page. <laughs> and they'll just Don't, drag it out. They'll drag it out for as long as they can till either people get Don't, bored or there, uh, another war starts, because that'll take people oh off. Oh, God, that's the other thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, exactly. That's part of the cycle thing. I'm going back to Armstrong again. He basically uh, seen us going into a war cycle with the risk increasing. He's been saying this for, you know, this is, again, not a surprise, from March going up, increasing risk, increasing risk, mainly because he, he sees a, like a failure, the failure of the European project, like the devastation, economic devastation in Europe. And it's like, yeah. well, they needed this, this some event to try and bind people together and get them to accept a different kind of, you know, way of dealing with fiscal realities. And... It's not really working out like that because these people don't seem to understand, again, that 
open systems aren't the same as closed systems. <laughs> Once it's a, it's simple. It's like if you go into a laboratory, you take X number of variables, and you say, right, this is how this feather falls. You can say, yeah, with reasonable degree of accuracy, this is how it falls. You take it out into the real world, you can't make that same adjustment because there's an almost infinite number of variables acting on it. This is why the problem with models... I don't know. know. Well, I was just going to say, what about Neil Ferguson? I mean, his track record is is sublime, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is... I mean, we're taught to believe these people are actually sort of godlike geniuses, but they're, they're not at all. They are dogmatic media entities and there's really not much more to it than that because it's a bit of a bit of a dick slinger i've heard as well (laughs) again before covid a top you know i don't know if you've heard siv watkins speak you know a a great microbiologist just saying like look we look at what is taking place in the microscopic world any good microbiologist will say we don't have a fucking clue what is happening it is too complex we can take part of it away into a laboratory and make some judgments and we can make some you know we can create things same outside of microbiology we can take things from the physical world go into the laboratory and we can create engines we can create food processes we can create nuclear bombs okay we can create all these fucking things but none of those things despite the fact that they work should describe reality because they can't possibly because they are act, they are the product of a closed system. It's it's very simple. And you know, some guy was talking to me in the bar the other night, and he said, "Well, I was going on the same similar sort of line." He said, "It's our best guess." I'm like, "Hey, who's our? <laughs> our being like some little bubble of fucking imperial cunts are sort of like, oh, this is their answer. We're the ones. We're right. This is how it works. Fuck all those brown people. They don't, they've got a whole system of things, but that's for them. This is how we work. Yeah, it. and if you and, disagree with us, you should be taken off the internet. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. And B, again, our best guess, like, of course, there's a whole different way, many different ways of looking at ecological problems I think it's fair to say that there are a whole host of ecological problems that are, are at least as bad or worse or different than, say, this insane focus on, uh, you know, carbon emissions. But either way, my point is that we're on the, you know, we're, we're fucking, anyone can see that we're fucking the world up. You just have to go outside and go, what a fucking ugly, wretched fucking mess. This is your best guess. This is your best fucking guess. I built a food processor but it also drains all the energy out of the planet. That works. Are you saying that works? That's idiotic. It's idiotic on an insane scale. And these people are still staying going with this. You know, Brian Cox comes on television and he's like, it's, he can enjoy the show. And he's like, oh, in the universe and, and the way the planets move can be almost uh, predicted according to the strike of the stroke of a clock. And he, the end of it and he'll go but it always fills me with great pleasure to think about the how everything is ultimately meaningless and oh my god burning out of this burning out of the universe it's cooling down and that's that the end oh well see you next week and this is just pure philosophy coming from an inane position from a keyboard you know, player any- no less yeah many had a hit though didn't he <laughs> I can't watch him. It's too. It's too slow. It's too. I mean, I watched Wonders of the Solar System, and I, uh, you know, it's a good ten, twelve years ago. That wasn't it. Now I think, 
Uh, but I've, I tried to watch the most recent um, series. I think I watched one or two, and then I just had to stop because it was so terribly depressing. He was talking about all the stars in the universe slowly running out of uh, energy, basically. And then well, it's the same thing. It's I th- that's his best guess. He doesn't <laughs> know. Sh- he doesn't know shit. He thinks <laughs> he knows everything. He's put on a pedestal, <laughs> but guess what? He knows shit. He knows shit. Of course he knows shit. When he did you hear when he said that the the Hadron Collider proved that ghosts didn't exist? No, it's like <laughs> it, it it proves that ghosts don't exist because it would have picked up their energy signal. It's like what, 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 what a ghost made out of again, Brian. It's like the yeah, uh, what. <laughs> No fucking no. Why is that? Why is that not being asked? That question right there. Uh, yeah, it's exactly, like, yeah. oh, are they heat? A ghost made of heat, Brian. A ghost made of uh, the electric. Can you fucking light a house with a ghost? Like, what are you talking about? Well, his it's, rationale would be, you know, a ghost will have to abide by the the laws of thermodynamics and how large hadron collider can can look at these rules, and we can therefore because the Laws of thermodynamics are laws, as in they cannot be broken. They're written in stone. I don't care what you have to say. If it doesn't comply with the laws of thermodynamics, it does not exist. Case closed. Sign me up for season five. (laughs) You're absolutely you're right. But even within that sort of paradigm or that ontology, even within that, it's like it doesn't really hold any weight because it's sort of like saying, well. What if ghosts were just psychological, whatever just psychological means? It's like, <laughs> there's no, do you, do, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's, not, it's no a sense of that. It's like, oh, it's a, no, they, we're proving they don't exist. What, I mean, if they were a fucking, I mean, I don't believe this. What if they were some kind of function? What if they were a, a trauma that could be repeated, for example, in a person, in someone's biology or in their, you know, in their experiences? I mean, for example, um, it's like, it's like when the, the Big Bang, for example, again, I'm using the word example over and over again, but never mind. Like, within the ontology that he puts out there, it doesn't make sense. Because, like, if you say, eventually, oh, so what, the universe all burns out, and there's nothing left, and everything's quiet forever and ever, <laughs> including time, which also stops forever and ever. Don't think about that too much. The time has stopped forever and ever. And how do you create a universe? What are the ingredients, Brian, according to the Big Bang, mm-hmm. to create a universe? Well, you need, you need some nothing to begin with. <laughs> if yeah. you, can, you need one gram of nothing, 10,000 tons of nothing, and another infinite mass of nothing. You mix it all together with nothing, and bang, a universe appears. You know? So it's like the conditions at the end of what he describes, the same as the conditions at the beginning. Yeah, it's, it's not like even a, remote, even a, a, it's simplistic stuff. I think it was you know? I think it was Terence McKenna who put it well. I think he said, give, give me one free miracle and I'll explain the rest. Give me one free miracle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't really, I, I usually better at doing that impression. But yeah. yeah. One free miracle. Oh, no. I'm so used to hearing his voice over music. They ruin it, don't they? It's like, <laughs> that- they always have somebody playing new age kind of like... Well, <laughs> Pan pipes and the shamanic yeah, drumming. Progressive <laughs> psytrance. That's more like progressive psytrance underneath. Like, mm, mm, mm. What, kind of, what, what kind of music do you listen to, Nick? Have you got like a... Are you like a... Do you have a preferred genre? Are you like a rocker? Or do you like indie? Or, uh, 
Oh, you, you sneak it, Hold then. the roll. I'll keep the rock, thanks. So music I, I put on it in the pure heart would be just, I just have to admire it. I don't, I don't have to like it. As long as I admire it, that's fine. Um, in my own personal taste, I, I, I like stuff that, if it gives me that shiver, the same shiver that, I have found myself going back to Robert Graves. I now think there's such a thing as true poetry and and the true song because songs are poetry if there is song and I like songs and don't get me wrong. I do like, I actually, I like classical music. I like, you know, various aspects of world music and different instrumental stuff, but I really get off on the songs and certain songs make my hair stand on end and the reason for that is like i think they address that certainly something that fascinates me that maybe it's that universal feminine that's just out of sight maybe it's death and what happens beyond it if it's there i like it so i'm not saying that it's so that crosses multiple genres i i like i like the beatles good Goodbye. <laughs> it's no, like, that was a long-winded way of saying I really, really like the Beatles <laughs> more than anybody else. The thing is, it's, but, a, it's an easy... People see that as an easy answer. And yeah. as a, per, a, a student of songwriting and music, uh, my conclusion is is that they cannot be beaten. You know, <laughs> they when cannot it comes, be beaten. When it comes to constructing and writing songs. And if you haven't seen it, Nick... Um, Jordan Peterson was on Joe Rogan, I think, last week. Oh, yeah. And I've not seen it yet, no. There was um, a small section, like maybe a five-minute uh, chunk, where Jordan Peterson starts describing music and what it means to him and how it works and how it describes reality. And it's like, I've never heard anyone sum it up so perfectly. And I'm sorry, it, I need to end this podcast right now. Uh, you have mentioned Jordan Peterson. Uh, <laughs> Cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I forgot okay, you, okay. you mentioned you, you were a man of I the judge. left. <laughs> sorry, I should, have, I should have referred to him by his real name, the Antichrist, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> He's not, I don't know where you get off of there. This is, I was not warned about this. By the way, anyone who's listening to this, please do not associate me with Dr. Peterson. <laughs> Okay, yeah, no, he's I'll, really interesting, isn't he? I, I, I mean, it's it's a shame that I would like to hear what he has to say about it. Actually, um, he's, um, yeah. you know, he's he's somebody I don't always agree with. But why why should I always agree with somebody that would be weird? And uh, I think yeah, he said that about a lot of people. Yeah, I think because we we seem to be we seem to be more divided tribally now uh, since the advent of social media, whereas. We seem less, uh, maybe not on the surface, but deeper down, we seem to be less tolerant of opposing views and opinions and experiences than maybe we were. I don't know. I think maybe that's just amplified by social media. I think if you talk to normal people in the flesh, (laughs) most people are more reasonable, but social media has this this trick of amplifying and dividing us. I think you you would say things, not necessarily us, I shouldn't say that, but I think people would say things or do say things on the internet that he would never say oh. to him 
face to face or whatever. You know, there are a few people, I suppose, that do confront him and stuff. And I've seen some videos of him on campus and things, you know, when people have... Uh, yeah. Jordan Pearson destroys yeah. feminists. Destroys feminists. Yeah, and that, that's <laughs> feminazi. And destroys that, feminazi. That's not particularly helpful either, is it? When it's when they no. take sort of sound no. bites and no. uh, five minute chunks from certain things, and I, I don't think that. And I think I've heard him say that, that that's not particularly helpful either. No. Um, but this this is the thing, isn't it? That I think you can't. People are judged on you know like one or two things that they might say rather than on the whole. And like what you said, I I think he's just as a person because he's got he's got some like you know what you might call you know classic right wing views, but also you know he's an addict, isn't he? He, he admits he's recovering, yeah, recovering yeah. Addict, so he's recovering yeah. recovering addict, um, and you know he's quite open and honest about that. He's open and honest about his depression and his anxiety and stuff, and how he medicates that. And I don't think there's a lot of people that would necessarily have that kind of global fame or reach that would necessarily admit that, you know. So I think you know he's quite brave in a lot of respects. Yeah. I mean. Look at Ali's kind of mumble, sort of tattoo face rappers, guys. I'm just like, I got a problem with my depression. I got a problem with my addiction. I got a problem. Everything's a problem. I mean, (laughs) I think it can be a badge and it can be something to win people over. Anything can, as soon as it's in that spectacular, as a situation, as we put it, that spectacular space where it's like nothing is real. Everything becomes a projection of that reality. It's all, everything is, is a metaphor for the actual, just like, oh yeah, John P, I, I agree with you. I just, um, whether it's brave or not. I, I don't, don't think you just can, as... sorry. I don't think you can put Peterson in that camp. No. Uh, from the point of view where he was at his, the height, I would say, of his power mm. when the collapse happened yeah. and it was pretty bloody. And he yeah. he nearly well, if taking his word, I can't take anyone's word but his own. But he mm. was close to death a couple of times. So yeah, uh, and the death of his wife and and all the rest, you know, presumed death of his wife. Mm-hmm. She she pulled through in the end, but um, I was going to say, did she die? A hell, of, <laughs> a hell of a fall from grace. She was te- she was term- she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Jesus, and she recovered. That was, I think, that was the thing that sent him over the edge with the yeah, addiction. Yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's a very strange story, and it just makes him more interesting mm-hmm. to me. You know, I I think he's a hugely useful and important voice. If anybody is going to be, if like obviously it's it's easy for me to be sort of meta and step back and go, well, well, in this in the society of the spectacle, the only free choice is the refusal to pay. But yeah, I think it's important. I do want to say something. You, you mentioned like um, uh, how one re, you know, how social media has made us more tribalistic, and how we sort of re, re, you know in real 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 life we maybe respond better um, than we do in those area those areas. And I think we do. But I'll say this much about myself, and I think it's uh, if it's true of myself, and I don't think I'm super unique in this, unless I'm some kind of emotional like. Head case failure or something, or just really cancerian and wet. But, like, um, when people, if it's something I hold or I hold something dear and they disagree with me, my f- first instinct, and it is instinct, isn't intellectual curiosity. Like, 
oh, why is it you disagree with me? I would love to learn more. It's outrage and a sense of perhaps like kind of pain that something is that something is inviolated in me. And that is, I think, something where when you look at people right across this, you know, the spectrum when we're having these debates about vaccines or COVID or what have you, that's the first thing that tends to happen. It's not always that case, but I think that response hides a wound. I think we're all wounded, maybe wounded just by the fact that we have to sort of like form ideas and belief systems apart from any of our experiences to get us through day by day because of the endless ugliness of industrial society because of how hideous that is and i think it's really handy it goes back to what i said before go where the pain is it's handy to look at that feeling i don't know if any of that i mean you guys might be better at that than i am i do my best to sort of like observe it and notice it in myself and because it lets me notice it in other people and give them the respect they deserve even when they're they are holding what i consider to be hideous opinions but they're holding them to cover up something else that is real. I mean, I think someone said that the wound is where the light comes through. And although it's recognizing that, I think we can, you know, we can sort of move move for, you know, forward in our in our interactions and maybe modulate how we deal with people. You know, see themselves now ourselves and vice versa. I think yeah. uh, you are. I wouldn't say you... I think you're in the minority in that sense because I'm guessing these things, these opinions that wound you, uh, maybe wound you because they go against some sort of principle that you hold or some sort of fundamental morality. And the fact is is that if you, you need to think about those things, you have to be a thinking person to derive first principles and morality. And I think the majority of the people are not thinking people (laughs) and they don't have principles and they haven't considered moral philosophical questions and they may they're not doing it to hurt you it's just clumsy because they haven't had the time maybe not through their own fault maybe just because they're busy working parents sorry sorry to interrupt you there but would you not acknowledge it is it's easier to read something you agree with than something you disagree with Reading, if you see a big article by a couple of King's College PhDs saying this is why COVID denialism is extremely dangerous, yeah, and I have an emotional response to that. It'll be like, and I, I part of it come, you know, once I've read through it, spent some time, you know, you know, gotten over that initial emotional response, I can look at it and go, ah, oh, it's bullshit. Before that. I think there is a an instant, a little tiny instant of dread. To say, what if all the things you think are fucking bollocks? Yeah, yeah. Everything, you know. Did you ever see Alan Moore on the on the Trans States conference? What he said about the Devil Tarot card? Um, no, enlighten us. Right, I'm going to, and, and you know what? I'd love it if Alan Moore came on and said, "He's actually been plagiarized." I can't do his. Is he, is he alive? Alan Moore? Yeah. Of course, he's alive. All right. I don't know who he is. I've never heard of oh, him. Alan, you know, Watchmen. Oh, is that the, the, the film with the giant blue man? Yeah. Have you read the graphic novel? 
I've not even yeah. seen the movie, no. V for Vendetta, Watchmen. I've seen v I mean, for arguably, he's had an enormous effect on culture in terms of, like, you know, Anonymous, for example, adopted yeah, yeah. his fucking thing. Yeah. Um, Watchmen, um, Providence is really good if you could get in. He's a, a writer, anyway, essentially, a writer and a magician. And mm. he does this, he makes this. Someone asks him if he could speak to the diabolical power of advertising in our society. Because he rightly identifies advertising as a kind of magic. Um, my, you know, it's, it's mind control. It's using symbols to affect our decision-making. Yep. Um, and he says, if you look at the devil tarot card in the, in, the, in the weight tarot deck, it's encoded there. In the weight tarot deck, which is... You're going to you're gonna have to explain the weight tarot deck now. <laughs> right. Oh, I say, I say weight... Um, God, you know this is what is modern. Was it made? Was yeah. did Terry Wait design it? That was called no. Um, hold on, I'm. It might have it to is, send Ryan. Uh, so right, okay. So I believe so. Wait is the uh, it was like the esotericist who who sort of came up with this particular tarot deck. He based it off right. um, uh, go. Uh, what did he base it off? Now based off the Solar Busca tarot deck, which is an Italian tarot deck, which was is knocking around in Renaissance period. Um, the Solar Booster is really quite hideous to look at if you ever pick one up. Um, it's full of images of child um, slaughter and uh, fucking this really curious, odd little sort of thing that's going on with it. Um, and there are theories that it was a tarot deck. It's a tarot deck used by the elite to make divinations regarding the games they play. Um, there's a great book called Game of Saturn where because there are ideas in magic about how one might achieve immortality. And one of them is to reincarnate within your own family line. And that these Whoa! elites... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these elites prepare the children to to receive the consciousness of the oh previous dude who God. passed on so they can keep the fucking stuff going on in there. The, the fact is these things, these ideas exist, okay? Anyway, I'm, I'm digressing. So... um. The rate widest, weight rider Smith deck was basically uh, three people coming together. It's, it's seen now that I think it's Pamela Smith, Pamela Cousin Smith. I can't remember her name exactly, but she was the artist and had lots of, a lot of input into it. But it is after the Marseille deck, which is a very, it's a fairly simplistic, it's one I prefer to use. But after that, it's the one that most people are familiar with. Okay, it's a, it's a classic. The Rider Waite tarot deck is the one that most people are familiar with when they get a tarot deck. It's the Rider Waite deck. In that deck, the devil is uh, he's sat there and he's got two people chained to his throne. They're both wearing loose collars. On his head, he's got a pentagram, but it's not an upright pentagram. It's an inverted pentagram, okay? It's that one pen- point down and two points up, or two points up and one point down. It's one point down, four points up, in essence, Okay, so you know, like the, like the Marilyn Manson one. Yeah. Okay, so when a pentagram is the right way up in magical consciousness or magical thinking, it represents earth, air, fire, water, the lower points, and the, t- the upmost point is spirit. So matter is ruled by spirit. Essentially, it's all in this pentagram. When it's reversed, it means that spirit is ruled by matter. And what he argues is that we are living in an essentially textbook satanic society because if anything is true if you look outside the window you'll see that 
matter, real spirit. Spirit is like so low down as, as not even exist. Uh, he puts it really nicely. He's like, uh, you know, the devil represents what happens. If you serve the devil, that is the world of matter, the world of flesh, above spirit, above all costs. Then he's like, you know, you can get you know fame, wealth, good health, fast cars, hot chicks. All these things can be yours. You know, work hard, do this. You can make it. Hit the big time, baby. It's like the temptation of Christ. <laughs> yeah, well, you can go. You can. You definitely can go there. However, if you resist against it, then oh, poverty beckons. You know, ill health. You know, all these things are his domain, the domain of the flesh. But this is all the devil can offer, and all the devil can take away in the card. And this is the reason why the collars that the two people who are chained to them are loose. They can remove them at any point. Yeah. Oh, but they choose point. to wear them. Oh! It is absolutely beautiful. He's, he's, he really hell. gets into an accident. I, I, oh. I've robbed it of some of its power now. I hope some of you listeners try to ignore that, but listen to Alan Moore at the Trans States Conference. Just put Alan Moore Trans States Conference and watch the whole thing he's very good at it but you can see what i mean it makes perfect <sighs> absolutely nails sense. it It goes back to the technocratic metaverse thing yeah. we're gonna choose these things in the, yeah. the end of the day we're gonna be we're gonna choose shut up slave are you gonna be a slave well we're all gonna choose to for convenience yes if we're not yeah. careful yeah. so uh, that definitely sums it up one thing i want to ask you because we've got i think we've have we gone past an hour we've gone past an hour already but something no. I want to ask you was um, about the pier hat. What was the pier hat? You know, the, the, the logo, the hat. It's like a pilgrim hat with an eyeball in the middle. It looks quite uh, esoteric to me. Uh, right. Uh, very quickly then. Uh, so obviously the pier, the, the pier hat, the logo of the music venue that I um, helped pioneer um, came about because... Okay, right, we didn't have any idea what to call it for a start, and so we tried the uh, like a sort of cut up method. Um, we're just flicking through books, and we got peer, and we got hat. I was like, oh, we put that in the in the short list. Peer hat sounds weird, and people are going, ah, it sounds like a stupid name for a venue. Maybe it is. However, later on, I discovered uh, coming back to John Lennon, weirdly synchronistically enough. Um, I was reading his horrible book, A Spaniard in the Works, and you know, see, it's that kind of dodgy Lennon terrorist, you know, the you know, the kind of Lennon I'm talking A Spaniard in the Works, whatever. And, um, in it, he refers to the pier head in Liverpool as the pier hat. I was like, thus, it must be <laughs> pier hat. So, I did that, we call it a pier hat. It's uh, no. What does it? What does a peer hat do? It can be is a hat a peer wears, like a noble, or does it peer? Well, let's have a peering hat. There's a peer hat. Let me tell you something else. No, we haven't got any time. Here's another really weird thing about it in terms of like magical synchronicities. Um, we were putting, we put the peer hat into like, fucking Google as you do, and we came across somebody on eBay was selling <laughs> a brass peer hat, like. <laughs> You know, I was like, oh, right. So someone, and it was the same, you know, exactly the same kind of hat and our logo. We know they're not called peer hats in real life. They're called like, you know, it's like a pilgrim hat. So in other words, we're like, oh, wow, somebody's seen our sort of um, <laughs> logo. And it's like, and, and now they think it's called a peer hat and they're selling it. So we bought it. It turns up 
and it's little brass hearts. Really curious because the dimensions are poor, just like our logo. Not poor, that's not fair. Good. The, logo, the dimensions <laughs> of the, the graphic artists did it great. I don't mean the poor. I mean, they're unusual compared to how one might conceive of a classic pilgrim's hat. Quite tall and narrow. Oh, God. Cut that bit out in case he sees that. Be, he'll be fucking good. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that in post. It's not poor. It's not poor, Michael. It's just long. Um, anyway, and he looked at the brass hat, and lo and behold, actually, uh, underneath, it says, it's got stamped in it, Pier Hat. I was like, how is this fucking possible? Like, and it's, and it's like, so there's a place, it says it is, is a Pier Hat, like before, and it was, in, and it, it says it's like a little time, something 1949. Like, how can this be the case? I looked further, and it's like, oh, actually, no, this something faded off the end of it. So, it, like, it's worn away. There was a company called Peerage, and it's a Peerage hat, but he did not, didn't know there was a company called Peerage because the end of age had worn away. Thus, it was a Peer hat to him. Thus, we have this fucking magical fucking thing just sitting there. It's like mm-hmm. the inevitable victory of the pier hat right there on our shelf, which I think is marvellous. It's just another another sign. The age so, had yeah. faded away. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, there's another thing. Yeah, beautifully put. Oh, synchro mysticism to the tits. I know, yeah. What a it is wonderful amazing, place. Yeah, yeah. So well, go. well, Nick, I've, I've really enjoyed our chat tonight. I'm sorry if I jabbered. I, I, What's I the idea? Like, yeah, it's, it's always better when the guest jabbers. <laughs> oh, thank Definitely. God for that. Definitely. So, uh, small mercies then. Any yeah. uh, shout-outs or uh, plugs or, you know, other than going to the P-Hat in Manchester, obviously? Well, uh, I, yeah. I would plug our the, the Folk Horror Festival uh, oh. this Saturday, but it's basically sold out. Um, oh. um, mm. This is kind of a bummer. But, it, it, you know... The Could people P-Hat, not... Like press but, their faces against the window from the outside. They can do that, but in general, I would say, look, um, what we're trying to avoid are cliques, are a place where you're not welcome. Come oh. uh, to mm-hmm. the pier hat. I will talk to you, and <laughs> you might regret me talking to you, but I will talk to you. And there'll be other people there. You can make some friends. You might even learn how to build a house. Oh yes, yeah. exactly. Well, I'll be there yes. then. Yeah, so I need I need help yeah. in that in that regard. Yeah, you do, don't you? <laughs> well, uh, yeah. uh, you're on. Uh, we're following you on Instagram. You have got an Instagram profile. If people want to follow you there, can't they, Nick? Uh, well, you, you can if you like. All I do is post pictures of a uh, beautiful landscapes in my my phone AI. Seen, uh, <laughs> kind of every I take the photograph. And I'm like, that is not what I took, <laughs> but fine. It's <laughs> sort of like we thought that you would prefer it like this. It's like, yeah. ah! Um, it's that yeah, fucking it's Zuckerberg again, isn't it? <laughs> it's bollocks. It's absolute nonsense. Hey, we could even improve on uh, your, your memories. It's like, I don't want you to improve on them. It's just, anyway, they look great um, for the most part. <laughs> um, it's in a flat field, in underscore, ah, underscore, flat, underscore, field. Um, and I do that. You can also... Um, What's my blog called? Black Stage. If you look on Black Peer, put Peer Hat and Black Stage, and I will probably, um, you'll find it somewhere on blog. It's, you can find it through Facebook, whatever. I post well, there. Se- put, send me the links. He- send me the links, and I'll put them in the show notes if anyone wants to uh, follow you on nice various one. places. Mm-hmm. And, and don't do that. Don't be following me. Go and fucking, you know, find your bliss. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, don't listen to me. Follow the three so, Delphic Maxims, man. 
Know thyself. Mm. <laughs> and the other two. <laughs> Surety brings ruin, and what was the? I don't know. Little, it's nice that it looked to me like I would know the Delphic maxims. Oh, it's it means everything <laughs> in moderation. I know that it's uh, everything. In oh, moderation. nothing to excess. There know is. thyself. Nothing to excess, and surety brings you ruin. Because I know nothing, man. Exactly. Yeah, that's the one. Right, that's stay, the one. Stay on the line for us, Nick, while we play ourselves out and. Um, if you're listening on the live stream, hang around for 10 minutes or so. We're going to have a break and then uh, come back for part two and do some news. Yeah. All right. Nice to meet you, mate. Peace out. You too. Ciao. Take care. Peace out. Right, then we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. That was our uh, chat with Nick the Kenyan. Nick Kenyon oh, yeah. from the Pier Hut. <laughs> he told me a while to get the uh, marathon joke. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> why is he? Who? Is it Paula Kenyon? Paula Kenyon. No, it's Paula Radcliffe, in it? <laughs> we weren't even recording then, were we? <laughs> oh, were we now? <laughs> I don't think so. Right, okay. So, uh, oh, hello, blokes. Bollocks. It's so tiny, I can't read it. Blokes. I got a message from Legit Bat. Hello, Joe, Jen and Ben. You've been added. Oh, man, we're back. It must have worked. That's the first time I've tried an at everyone in the mm. Discord. It's awoken the legit bat from the slumber with the giant slongs. <laughs> are they giant slongs or are they mushroom cocks? I'll let you decide. So that was our chat with Nick Kenyon. I enjoyed that. I like the... Uh, it was very... He was going, very up Amish Phil's alley, wasn't he? Well, I loved all the esoteric shit. That's man. why he's up your alley, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I think we should definitely get a, a night out going. Drag yeah. Ryan Seven up there. I think uh, Ryan Seven and <laughs> uh, Nick Kenyon would like mind meld into some kind of Uber Ryan, Ubermensch. I don't know Ryan Kenyon or <laughs> Nick Seven. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I don't even remember. It seemed like the Pier Hat mm. um, was created. I thought this was going to be some like harking back to English folklore or something, you know, no, this beer hat thing. But more to do with synchronicity, wasn't it? Really, synchronicity. Yeah, I enjoy all that. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love it. Love yeah, it. yeah, Great. yeah. What do you think, Ben? You enjoy that? I did. I was uh, listening intently. There was, uh, there was a lot of interesting stuff going on. I'd like to go to the Pier Hat. Obviously, as Nick said, uh, we weren't recording, but he, he won't want to go there because he, he kind of lives there. But yeah, it'd be good. It's mm. down the back streets of the Northern Quarter, I think. Yeah, I looked it up. Yeah, so Faraday it's, Street. It's near all the uh, all the places where we can drink ales. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yep. Right. We'll it's near the castle, and mm. yeah, we'll make it happen then. Yeah, definitely. Got some uh, some censorship updates from this week for us. Yeah, for people listening. Okay. <laughs> um, those conspiracy guys, Gordo. Yeah, he got his uh, Vimeo oh, yeah. Vimeo channel nuked this week. I thought there was someone. Jo- it was like it's Ben. <laughs> I'm thinking, who the fuck's talking? <laughs> it's Ben. <laughs> Go on. Yes, he got his Vimeo nuked. Yes, four terabytes. You're a bit slack on your mic. Uh, Do you think? 
Maybe. Maybe I'm just loud. Maybe I'm. I'm I thought he. I thought it sounded okay in my own ears. I'm not got my mixer channel on. I don't know. I'm a fist away. No, you're fine. You're fine. It's because I'm. I'm hearing myself twice (laughs) because of a bit bit of latency. I have a bit of ingrained latency because I have to put this on occasionally when the mood suits me. And this device introduces some latency when I'm when I'm monitoring. So uh, you do realize that that machine does the voice change. You don't need to change your voice as well because <laughs> that's exactly what happens when you use it. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Embellish. Yeah. I do not know what you're talking about, Amish Matt. Uh, Step away from the microphone. So you don't need to use your megaphone anymore. No, I've, <laughs> I've had a fucking upgrade, haven't I? Haven't exactly, I? that's what I mean. Why is it echoing? That's better. That's better. Oh, that's nice. Oh, I'm in the bathroom. I feel like Martin Short in Inner Space. Oh. Dennis Quaid. Yeah. <laughs> I used to love that film. I'm in the Volvo. <laughs> Okay, so... Uh, so, yeah, those conspiracy quite, guys. Four terabytes of videos. Gone overnight. Has he... When he is that like... Does he video all of his uh, podcasts as well or something? Or is it like all of his documentaries? Has he done his documentaries yet? It's four terabytes, so that's a lot of video. I know, he's been around for years, hasn't he? A lot he? of episodes, yeah. yeah. All that time uploading and, you know, copying and pasting the descriptions over and... Fuck me, what a nightmare. So I think, I don't know, he might be going on to Odyssey. I think he said, he mentioned Rockfin, didn't he, in his Discord? Yeah, I think, oh, he's, yeah. Already, I think he's already on Rockfin. Right. But I don't know. It's a different beast, Rockfin, isn't it? Because it's like, it's like Netflix. Oh, I don't know. Where you have to subscribe. And... Oh, right, do you? I think so, yeah. So he's behind a paywall. Joe would know from legit batter on Rockfin, right, our Rockfin okay. channel. Uh, yeah, so that so that's gone. And also, um, the Macroaggressions Discord server, gone. Gone, yeah. Deleted. Oh. Why? How does that happen? Does it have to be reported? Who knows? That's what I mean. Or does it like, is it like trigger postings? I, f- I think they probably monitor... Somehow. What people are posting, yeah. AI. I would imagine so. Or AI overloads. Mm. Probably deleted it. So mm. uh, that's a bummer because it was doing well. It had, I think it had a couple of hundred members. and Yeah. There was interested stuff posted there. Obviously something's been posted. That's Discord have said, no, I'm afraid not. See you later. Has Charlie said anything about it? Only on Twitter. He, he tweeted something about it this week. I think he has um, someone else looks after it. Don't Helen? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know if she wanted to be named. Uh, is it not common knowledge? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe in the Discord it is. Yeah. yeah. So I think you can mirror your Discord channel. I think, we think we need a backup. I think there's a way to backup your Discord server. Oh, right. Okay. Do, if we want to keep it. This is why Grimerica had to move. Yeah. He had to set up on, uh, is it Mattermost or Mastodon? can't remember. Mastodon, I think, is it? I don't know. Uh, no Agenda's Mastodon. I think it might be Mattermost. Right. No Agenda. Uh, Grimerica. Because they're the same thing. Discord, we're just fucking them about. Fucking them. Right. Fucking around, so. Oh. 
Anyway, should we move on and do some housekeeping? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. This is a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. Lots of ways of doing this. Uh, word of mouth is currently and forever will be my favourite way of uh, becoming a producer and uh, yeah. adding value, returning value to the podcast. Word of mouth mm. works. Ben? Yep. Leaving comments on our uh, <coughs> on our videos on YouTube or joining us in the Discord channel. I'm not in the Discord channel, so... Uh, you came in. You what happened? What happened? I was in, and then... I think I deleted the app by mistake. Just download it again, Ben. It's, so it's probably it's connected, right? It's fine. Um, leave us a review. Well, on I have, iTunes. I have oh. an issue with reviews in that we don't get enough of them. Uh, going back to Legit Bat, they've started a thing uh, I saw on Instagram, I think, this week, saying the funniest review <laughs> in the next week or whatever, the next two weeks, we'll get a free mug. Oh, from the loot from the not the loot chest, the legit bat merch store. So I thought that was a neat idea. Yeah, it'd be nice if they start sending out Amish Inquisition uh, <laughs> merchandise. To their yeah. So yeah, if you want to see how the sausage is made and watch the podcast, you can find us. Well, you can find the interviews on YouTube and the videos you can find on Odyssey and now Bitshoot. Bitshoot, where we get our. Main um, views from now. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's been up. It's I've, I've finished updating it now. Mm-hmm. I've gone back to Eric Klein. Oh, the Bronze Age collapse. Yeah, I've gone back as far as Eric Klein. A few of the ones that got missed. If you want to see episode one seven three with Nathaniel Gillis and the demon sperm, the one that YouTube de- decided was beyond the pale <laughs> and deleted and gave us a strike for, you can watch it on Bitchute because it's there. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, it's been going for about a week. We've had, I think, 3,000 views. Picked up about 30-something subs mm. so far. I expect that'll drop off because I've been uploading videos every day. Yeah. So um, it's a bit of a mess because there's no way of ordering once you've uploaded what order your videos are in. Really? So from now on, they should, they will come out in chronological order, in the correct order. But right. So it's like... Um... You know, like Dave was saying, we're just spitting in. We're just spitting into that big goblet. Yeah. You know, and let's just see what this mix of spit makes. Yeah, some have done, some seem to have done well. Um, the David Vice one, yeah. you know, the Flat Earthers, they fucking love David Vice. They love David Vice. <laughs> and, and I love David Vice. Yeah, he was... He was a fucking gem. He was uh, great value. It's a great guest. It's yeah. brilliant. I wonder if, wonder if he's sold any of his apps. Uh, of course he has. I, like, he sold me one. <laughs> I, think I, I think I bought it as well, you know. Uh, honestly, that's so cynical, Ben. It's nothing to do with the money. Okay. $2.99. Um, he's, like, he's not making out off that app. No. He's doing it for the love of it. Yeah, because... fair play for him for that. We're on the bubble in the bottom of a pan. Absolutely. Um, what else other than videos? What else can you do? Um, show artwork. No, oh. no, unlimited pixels. Yeah, just make sure it's square. <laughs> shall we have a? Shall we have a look at the show artwork? Yeah. Um, Ben, you won't see this. You, I will. Oh, will you? How? Are you? Are you monitoring yeah. the stream? 
Right, go on then. Uh, yeah. All right, I shall reveal the artwork for episode 217. It's coming in now. Brace yourself. Oh, this is a delay. Oh. <laughs> Just talk among yourselves. <laughs> what is it? Oh, there you go. Oh, here it is. There we go. Oh, yeah. Oh, I recognise that font. Right, come on, explain. So you've got um, the episode number and Nick Alexander. Oh, I'm going to have to change that, that aren't I? I'm going to have to change that, bollocks. Oh. Some random guy's name. Um, in, in like a Matrix-style typeface. Um, almost entirely Matrix-style. I can't quite see whether that's uh, Matrix-style Chinese menu items in the background um, going down vertically because... The, the stream is so crap for some reason. I think it's something to do with my, uh, my internet. And you've got a guy in a uh, pier hat. Guy. The yeah. eye on. Interesting uh, you say a guy. guy. Is... You assume the gender. Oh, my God. A guy man. can be a girl. It's totally a girl. <laughs> guys. Uh, there's more than two genders. <laughs> oh, my God. Not in this picture. I mean, to be uh, fair... One of them is a robot, one half. I mean, he is a robot. Do, I, I don't think you can give robots gender. No. It's a thing. Mm. It's not a he or a she, it's a thing, because it's not a human, is it? It's a... It's a, it's a guy. It's a ro, ro, rotomaton. And he's, he's, he's sporting a pier hat. With an eye, an all-seeing eye. Yeah, the eye of Osiris. Mm. Yeah. The eye reminds me of... Um, I'm wanting jacket album cover, but in a different colour. Right. So what's the verdict? Do we like it or not? I mean, it's okay. Uh, I like it. I thought it was all right. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. Okay. Done a fine job. Now we need to think of our hook. Nick Kenyon solved. Uh, It was quite wide ranging. What did we talk about? Tarot. <laughs> Vaccine passports. Tarot. Synchronicities. Synchromysticism. Synchromysticism saved my life. Psychedelics? Maybe. Tarot. Psychedelic and... <laughs> Tarot saved my life. Tarot saved my life. Last night, the Tarot saved my Synchro life. mysticism. Yeah. yeah. Synchro mysticism. Uh, alive and well in the Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> Too many words. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's not punchy enough. <laughs> right, I'll just write down synchro mysticism. And then I would pick some random words. <laughs> I'll obviously come up with something better, like I do every week. <laughs> oh, okay. What else? Uh, uh, focus G request. Oh my gosh, we've got one. Um, yeah, we've got one, and it is from Helen of Berkshire. Um, Helen can of I, Troy. Helen of Troy 2.0. Yeah, for, of Berkshire, <laughs> south of Troy. Okay. I believe yeah. <laughs> Can I get from you know, Anatolia? Can I get some chi for my birthday, please? 
I'm 40 on the 8th of February, sobbing emoji. Oh, no. Oh, um, this is highly irregular, isn't it? Because it's a focus cheat and a birthday. Oh, right. Okay. Have you done a mashup? No. Oh. Well, I think we should, uh, before we give it, what should we do? Should we do the happy birthday first? I think you should somehow mix them together. Happy birthday, Hugh Janus. Oh, I'd already Rubbish. press the button before when you finish yeah. talking. All right, so should we give some focus chief for Helen's birthday then? Yeah. Okay, eyes down, look in. go nailed it yeah nailed it one take live we're doing it live man yeah exactly uh and also phil g i've not written oh yeah phil g has got a birthday on uh thursday the 3rd of february so happy birthday hugh janus happy birthday to you yeah uh guest, guest suggestions guest suggestions are always good we've had some good ones recently yeah um, people I'm not familiar with, books, authors to look at. Exactly, yeah. There was one on YouTube in the YouTube comments recently as well that I need to look up. So right. those are really useful because it, it narrows our focus. Yeah. When our, it comes to getting guests on. Zoom. zoom. Yeah. You can get your merch from the Amish loot chest. Link in the show notes for that if you want a current grape T-shirt. Literally a communist hoodie. <laughs> or uh, three weeks to flatten the earth. T-shirts. Yep, they're available at the loot chest. Um, what's your favourite way, Phil? What, to become a producer? Yeah. It's cold, hard cash. Toss a coin. Tosses a coin. You know. Do it for the lads. 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 Because, oh, we're northern and we're bloody miserable and the weather's fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, if you got to the Amish Inquisition, I don't know why that made me laugh so much that time. You go to the obviousinquisition.com and you can find the PayPal button there and you can uh, give us a one-off, sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation. And uh, donations at the level of £50 or over grant you the rank, the title of executive producer for that episode, which, you know, you can, it looks great on your LinkedIn, <laughs> on your curriculum vitae. does. Yeah. Only you fuckers out there can... Save Blockland. Keep <clears throat> this horrendous shit show going. Exactly. Yeah. Right, so shall we thank the producers for episode 217? I think it's time, isn't it? It's time to big up the man Dems, yo. We've got Nomi Nosnodge, Rona Kesson, Helen from Berkshire slash Troy, Slicko and Anonymous. Thank you. You're so amazing. They are. Yeah. So amazing in their love. Literally. The best mate. Because I'm literally a communist. The dwarf. The currants. The grape. The homophobe. The winds. The asthma. The crop up. The number 11. The blind man. The fallen on the horizon. The cripple and the mother of... Money bickering! From hell. Bring it on. <laughs> I don't get it, never will. Yeah, thanks for your support for another week. Discord is the place to be if you want to participate and uh, send us links and uh, news articles and video clips that we can incorporate into the show. Got fucking tons this week. It was like... Yeah, we've been peppered. (laughs) So much 
gnarly shit going on in the mm. realm of COVID. It's like von der Leyen being probed, <laughs> and not in a good way. Phil, you've gone oh, super loud for some reason. Oh, gosh, you're not yeah. leaning on a volume thing, are you? <laughs> um, I mean, oh God, OBS. Jesus Christ! <laughs> OBS does this weird thing where sometimes it just boosts the volume on the output of the stream. And it went then, really quiet for a while, and then you went super loud. Yeah, it's done it before. It's uh, software. Rubbish. Get a new computer. This is why <laughs> I like hardware. This is why <laughs> I have a hardware voice changer, because I know when they press the button, it will work, and it won't fuck up other things. And when I choose to disengage the button, everything's fine, and nothing has changed. But software... <laughs> It's a different beast. It has gremlins in it. It's witchcraft. It's unpredictable and useless. <laughs> All right, yes. Obviously, That's it's not useless. Obviously, it's not useless. It has incredible utility, but it's inherently unreliable and unpredictable. So we better not hand our lives over it to it, to it should we? You know, but that's what up, slave. Nick would have been down with. So, um, where were we? Should we do some... Are we going to move on to COVID news? Cause yeah, because, you know... We'll be, aren't we? Yeah. Should we do some... <laughs> oh, God, I've got my sliders. My sliders are all over the place. I was just going to... I was trying to do a nice, slick introduction to the... COVID <coughs> news. <laughs> <laughs> that is just ludicrous. COVID-19 news. People have got to understand vaccination is going to be, in the end, your route to liberty. The magic vaccine. A big fat shot in the ass. From hell. Oh! You know, it's just, you know, super painful. Like a judgment day and terminating mostly. It's not going to allow us to go completely back to normal. Anal swab tests in the same ballpark as seasonal influenza. Because bored and want to have fun. I can't save you if you're wearing a face mask. Read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. We'll also have to learn to die with COVID. <coughs> Excuse me. That is just <laughs> ludicrous. <laughs> I mashed them up. Uh, ben, last week, we were talking about the Partygate things, and you said, what revelations will come this week? Mm. And we had some fresh revelations. Yes. Did we see your birthday party, Wonderful. man? Oh, yeah. Get your cake and your party poppers at the ready, Beljo. Happy birthday to you. A few hours after these school children wished him a happy birthday, Boris Johnson would enjoy a happier one than most. Following this official visit on June the 19th, 2020, ITV News can reveal he was off to another event behind closed doors. When is this from? Is this May? After the first lo- yes. the first lockdown, <laughs> when uh, you weren't supposed to socialise indoors, you could meet one other person outside or some gnarly shit like that. I don't even know if it was anyone outside, it was. was it? It was definitely before rule of six. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, maybe. I think maybe you could go for a coffee with someone outside. <laughs> Fucking nonsense. People lived by this. Yeah. 
In the cabinet room, where the Prime Minister had stood in silence for key workers who died in the pandemic just a few weeks earlier, a nation's sacrifice was about to be forgotten. Just after 2pm, this table was laid out with party food from Marks and Spencer. As many as 30 staff gathered around it, ready for Boris Johnson to return. Do you think they sent Clive to the co-op for a suitcase full of wine? <laughs> Probably. Probably, I would hope so. His wife, Carrie, surprised him with a cake and led a chorus of happy birthday, singing, filling the house, where the week before the Prime Minister had struck a very different note as he outlined what fresh guidance did and did not allow. Meeting inside other people's homes, because that remains against the law. But not, it seems, for the Downing Street designer whose styling has already sparked a separate scandal. ITV News understands Lulu Little joined the party in between redecorating the Prime Minister's... Sorry, but if you don't think we're living in a fucking simulation, <laughs> Lulu Little is the designer who was invited. Because it's a work event, obviously, and she's yeah. doing up the flat. Flat. How how big is this fucking flat? She's been doing art for like three years. Um, how big do you think it is? It's pretty big. I think. I imagine it's, um, Downing Street's massive, isn't it? Mm. I thought it was it's a two up, two down. <laughs> no, it's it looks like, like a, a terraced house to me. It is a terraced <laughs> house. But it's two a big up, one. two down. <laughs> yeah. Why the bricks black? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, why do you? Think... Slightly darker than the other ones next door. So slightly darker than Rishi's house. Are they? Whoa. Are the engineering bricks like? Uh, that's what they're called, aren't they? When they make. It might be special bridges. security bricks. Yeah. I don't know. Well, we need to know how long. For how long have the bricks been black? Right. Been... Mm. Have they it been... does look freshly painted. Maybe Lulu, Lulu, Lulu did it. <laughs> I just assumed they were black bricks, you know, like they, they were. Why? They were baked black. Who's? Have you seen houses with black, black, black bricks before? No. Yeah, we need to know. Mm-hmm. Why is it? I don't know. No, that's what I'm saying. We need to know. When was Downing Street? When was it decided that Downing Street would be the residence of the Prime Minister? Mm. What were the photos from that time? Has it always had black bricks? Or is this part of the the messaging? This place is unique. It's oh. got black bricks. Right. It's instantly recognisable. When you see the Chancellor outside number 11 or the Prime Minister is a podium, the black bricks, it's triggering you. You know, it's triggering something. You might, well, that's Downing Street. It's got black bricks. No other fucking house in the country has black bricks. Right. Okay. Why else would they choose black bricks? I don't know, man. That's what I mean. <laughs> I don't know. Look, Ben's well, typing it's, now. It's not an accident, is it? Well, maybe. Maybe. That, that's the only house in the country with black bricks happens to be the residence of the Prime Minister. I think there's a reason. I'm pretty sure you can you can use uh, engineering bricks to build houses, but this, the miles, miles more expensive. Engineering bricks, are uh, they always black? Are they? Uh, yeah. No. Would you like an answer? <laughs> yeah. The facade of the building is actually yellow, but has been painted black. Oh. During during the extensive renovation of the 1950s, aimed at repairing the damage sustained during World War II, it was found that the dark black exterior was actually the result of pollution, yeah. and the bricks were in fact yellow in colour. <laughs> oh. wow. So they've just gone with the... 
What it looked like. The smog. Would it look weird if they like sandblasted the bricks back to yellow? When was it built then, Ben? Well, I don't know. Um, it's Victorian, isn't it? You think? Probably got that wrong. Georgian, you, maybe. You're consulting the Book of Knowledge. Yeah. Is that was that answer from Wikipedia? Hit one on the Google. <laughs> All right. Oh my gosh! Uh, frightening podcast. Uh, Joe Rogan podcast this week about Google. No. Uh, this guy who's been doing studies on uh, monitoring Google. Right. And uh, the practices they employ and how they collect data and stuff. It's uh, science, psychologist by trade and data scientist. And uh, it'll basically turn you off ever using any any product from Google ever again. Yeah, imagine so. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're abdicating responsibility again when it comes to uh, tech companies like Google. Mm-hmm. And uh, their unaccountability. So that's for another another time. Oh, but I'll I re- keep up with what I'm not supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, I'd recommend you you listen to that or watch that podcast. Uh, I can't remember the I guy's just, name. Just keep the soil and green flowing. <laughs> yeah. It was inf- very informative. He's uh, oh my god, there was like a twist as well. It's like uh, he was meeting some sort of attorney general for one of the states or a prosecutor for one of the states like a few years ago when he was uncovering this stuff about Google and how they manipulate data and interfere with elections and stuff. And this uh, attorney general said, um, you want to back off because you're going to have an accident. (laughs) (laughs) And then his wife died in a car accident. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was quite unnerving. Yeah, I imagine. But anyway, that's we're trying to do COVID news. (laughs) None of us died. Um, yeah, we've done the Pottergate, the birthday. Uh, do we really want to hear what Captain Charisma had to say about this? Is it total rhubarb? Captain Charisma is... Here's <laughs> Starma. Oh, is it right? Okay. <laughs> this is yet more evidence that we've got a Prime Minister who believes that the rules that he made don't apply to him. And so we've got a Prime Minister and a government that spend their whole time mopping up sleaze and deceit Meanwhile, millions of people are struggling to pay their bills, and we can't afford to go on with this chaotic, (laughs) rudderless government. The Prime Minister is a national distraction, and he's got to go. Great soundbite. So, chaos, deceit, so lying, uh, people struggling with the cost of living. Mm -hmm. Three talking points. Uh, Then the question comes... It would be hard for the Prime Minister to use the defence now that it was a work event in this context. The Prime Minister... is so robotic. Straight back into it. What are my three talking points again? The Prime Minister has already used up four different defences to these allegations. Um, And all of them point to a Prime Minister who is not being honest. Um, And, you know, weeks and weeks now of allegations, weeks and weeks of deceit from the Prime Minister... Meanwhile, millions of people struggling to pay their bills. living. This is chaotic. Chaos. It's rudderless and it's got to go. Got to go, yeah. rudderless. He's a good operator. Uh, it helps when you watch the video. You can see him reset. And you can hear it, you can hear it in his voice, but you see him visu- visually reset. He gives his statement, his first statement. Mm-hmm. He gets his three talking points, like a good boy, like he's been told to do by his advisors. 
That'll be the most effective with the electorate. And then the question comes back. And he just resets, and then he rephrases it all brilliantly. But, you know, focusing on the same three talking points, but, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's like a fucking autonom- automaton. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, what was Bojo's reaction to the uh, the birthday party allegations? It's also rhubarb. No, that is absolutely... This whole thing is, is, is total rhubarb. <laughs> Schwarzenegger is. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> total rhubarb. What was he doing at the party? Celebrating his birthday. So, what, he, I mean, was he in a cabinet meeting and then his wife came down with the designer? He was ambushed and, with a cake. Exactly. At a work event. <laughs> I was there for 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, the total rhubarb isn't actually in relation to uh, Partygate. No, that's in relation. He made those remarks in relation to the um, the Afghan dog. Oh God, yeah, musical. trying to get the the dogs out before the people. Pen farthing, yeah, the pen farthing. Which I don't, I've not followed that story at all. So I think it's somewhere along the lines, isn't it, that <coughs> allegedly that carries in the background his wife, the say, puppet master, saying that she, you know, have you heard about this dog um, charity in? Afghanistan, you know, I'm not saying that it's uh, not horrible that, you know, something's going to, these dogs might die or whatever, but I'd probably take or be sort of prioritizing, you know, all the translators and all the. Yeah, team people. people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> over, the, over the dogs, unfortunately. Well, if you let instance. dogs go, there's a good chance a lot of them will, will survive. Exactly. They'll get by. Yeah. Whereas people will be killed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So um, yeah. So it's basically that, and she what she was. There's rumours that she was uh, wanting him to kind of you know what are you going to do about the dogs, Bo love. This has been going on since they got together. Uh, she's in his ear constantly. Yeah. I imagine she's she the would puppy be master. Yeah. Yeah. To what end? Is what I don't understand. Who is she? And wh- where did she come from? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She just wants expensive decoration in a flat. <laughs> is she on the WEF? <laughs> Good shout. I don't know. Uh, I think she's probably not. I don't know anything. Where has she come from? What's her background? I don't really know. Anything. How has she got into the Prime Minister's trousers? What's her name? Well, I think, I, I think, <laughs> you, just, I think you just need a pulse for that, don't you, by all <laughs> accounts? So. Carrie, what is her surname? I was going to say Fisher, but that's a different one. <laughs> Carrie Johnson, Johnson now. <laughs> <laughs> Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. You're my only Johnson. Carrie. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's Carrie Johnson now, isn't it? No, Carrie... but that's not what she's. What's her name? That's, if you were going to find her background, you wouldn't Google Carrie Johnson. You would try. Yeah, and find but then you, you would find her nay name. Maiden. Yeah. Name. Her nay name. Yeah. Johnson Nay. I can't believe I don't know it. Yeah, what is it, Ben? Behind every good man is a good woman, and behind Boris Johnson is is someone else. <laughs> Carrie Louise Bevan Simmons, Simmons is her name. Carrie Simmons, all right. Um, <clears throat> she went to the University of Warwick. Oh. Got a BA. Ew. An artist. Uh, 
Phil, don't get excited, but her mum's maiden name is McAfee. I don't know if oh, you read into that. What you, get him <laughs> assassinated. Uh, uh, some boring, boring stuff here. Uh, Conservative Party's head of communications in 2018 left the job that year. How do you take a, get took that a job, job in PR in the Oceana project? Oh, how how do you go from Warwick University to being head of communications for the Conservative? Party? I don't think that was what happened. In 2009, Simmons joined the Conservative Party as a press happened. officer. As a press officer first. That's in what I'm saying. How do you? What's the journey? How do you get there? You just apply, and you know. Well, you got your BA in the University of Warwick. It might have been in journalism. Oh, sorry, it was Bachelor of Arts in Arts, History, and Theatre Studies. <laughs> Uh, and then she graduated in 2009 and then joined the Conservative Party as a press officer. <laughs> campaign for Boris Johnson in the 2010 London Conservative Party mayoral selection. And then also worked as a media special advisor for Savage, Savage Javage <laughs> and John Whittingdale. A spad. Um, she was a spad. Fucking hell. She was a spad. I wonder how much she got paid as a spad. The crap, she was she was spiked by John Warboys, that um taxi driver rapist. She was in two thousand and nine. Remember that? Remember John Warboys was, was the, the guy. She did what? Sorry, um, she got spiked by him. Oh the taxi. Two thousand and seven, Simmons was driven home from Kings Road nightclub by taxi driver John Warboys. Yeah. She later recalled Warboys offering her champagne and vodka, which she believed was spiked. After returning home, vomiting and laughing hysterically before passing out three until three p.m. the next day, she testified against him at the trial. Oh, wow. so she was trapped up in that. Unfortunately, um, she had an affair with Boris Johnson while they were still married to his second wife, Marina Wheeler. Mm. I remember that. And he was also shagging allegedly that that American one at the same Jennifer time, Jennifer Arcuri. Yeah. God knows. Oh, yeah. It was double dipping. Uh, <laughs> Triple dipping. influence. I don't know. I don't, I don't think. I think. The guy just... has no fucking soul. Of course he is. Blah, 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 Oh. So watch this space. She'll be, she be on the web. I think she's very, uh, she's a powerful figure when it comes to the Prime Minister. I don't think that's, I'm not spitting knowledge here. That's well known <laughs> that she's very important in pulling the strings and controlling him and his ideas. The uh, little bird. What are my little birds telling me? Yeah. The birds are telling me. And maybe you need to get Savage Javid back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not it's not good. And and to have your interior designer coming for birthday parties when everyone's locked down is pretty uh, idiotic. Let's move on because all the ministers had to come and defend him after the birthday party. Yeah, and uh, one of my uh, one of our favourite one of our favourite MPs was enrolled. Mr. Peter Bone. Mr. Peter Bone went on. Uh, was it GMB? Is he still an MP? <laughs> yeah, man. All oh, right. He's on GMB earlier the week <clears throat> to defend the Prime Minister. 
let's take just COVID, for instance. Mm-hmm. I mean, a poor man nearly lost his life fighting... Oh, the poor man. Nearly lost his life. Yeah. ..to get us through COVID. Mm-hmm. But we got the first vaccination in the Hang world. On. Sorry. If you kind of think about why he got COVID in the first place, when it was, like, rife in Whitehall, what were they doing? Yes. Just getting hammered every... Wine Time Friday. Wine Time Friday. Come on, Clive, get down to court. Yeah. Get your suitcase. Come on, Boney. (laughs) Come on. Mr. Peter Bone! Get down down to court. Yeah. Fill your suitcase with wine. Thanks to the fact, actually, we're out of the EU, but also because Boris and the government put money into the AstraZeneca vaccine. That's gone to 2.7 billion people across the world, saving millions and millions of lives. Mm-hmm. And we went through the whole COVID thing. And oh my goodness, wasn't it nice having Boris on the screen keeping us happy? <laughs> no, it was awful. Was it not? Was it not nice having Boris on the screen keeping us happy? I mean, Stay home, protect the <laughs> NHS, save lives. Yeah. Look him in the eyes and tell him you washed your fucking hands. Mm. Well, but apparently he was on the streams keeping us all happy. Mm-hmm. And he got us out of the EU and got the vaccines. Exactly, yeah. During that period. And he made, he did the furlough scheme. And then he took he bought 60 million Pfizer vaccines just in case we needed them. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, that call was important. He got it right. And that's why we've got the COVID booster plan. So on the big issues, <gasps> I think... Right, this is a truth wants to come out moment here. Mm. Let's just carefully review this. And it, the first bit's a complete, a very small tell of a slip here. And then he took, he bought. Oh, he took. Mm. He took. Then he bought. Well, what's the implication? Min- Hang on. What's the implication? There's a big difference between took or bought. And then he took, he bought. It's being offered it by Pfizer. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, of Come on, I've got more doses. We can make a fucking 1.5 billion a year. How many do you want to take? Mm-hmm. We'll take one, one each, 60 million. Yeah. One for the adult population. Mm-hmm. 60 million Pfizer vaccines, just in case. So he took, oh, sorry, bought mm-hmm. with our money 60 million Pfizer vaccines, and then what happened? We needed them. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, that call was important. He got it right. And that's why we've got the COVID booster plan. So, oh. The- oh, that's why we have the COVID booster plan. Let's listen to it again in its entirety. And then he took, he bought 60 million Pfizer vaccines just in case we needed them. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, that call was important. He got it right. And that's why we've got the COVID booster plan. So that's, why the- we have, that's why we have the booster plan. Because he'd already fucking bought them and they need to get rid of them. Yeah. Is it not? It's just said it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Ben, I don't know what ben, Ben's thinking. Yeah, uh, they bought a, sh- a shitload of um, <clears throat> swine flu vaccine in 2009, 2010. Yep. For a pandemic that didn't really take off um, in the way that, that this one did. It didn't have the kind of media froth associated with it um and they essentially wasted a lot of a lot of money buying vaccines that just went out of out of date um and were uh, were unused so i suppose to 
prevent that from happening, you need to have a use for the additional vaccines you've bought. And what better use than a a fall off in efficacy, which isn't something we've seen before with with vaccines that I'm aware of, um, to you know then have to vaccinate people a, a third time or a fourth time or, a fifth time or whatever whatever it goes to. I know that's the that's the and, and know, what what's feeling in certain, certain circles. What's even better is that this this completely innocuous mild variant comes along called Omicron and you can give the credit for that to the vaccines. Oh, well, because of the booster program. That's why hospitalizations are death going down. Nothing to do with this mild variant. Mm. Okay, well, what happened in South Africa? South Africa, vaccination rates are 25%, roughly. Uh, Approximately 25% of the population has HIV. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're experiencing the same rates of hospitalization and death as we are. Mm. It ain't the booster. Mm. They bought yeah, it so and they have to give it out. Immunocompromised. Mm. Massively immunocompromised. Uh, you know. Why? I'm flogging a dead horse. It's like, you either get it by now or you don't, to be honest. I'm sick of talking about them. the vaccine sham. Um, let's carry on. We've got the truth comes to go out. Let's move on. Um, Dr. Ted Ross mm-hmm. from the, the WHO. Mm-hmm. It's been reoped. A lot has happened in the last two years, the pandemic years. Many very. This is uh, Palki Sharma Upade yeah. from yeah. Wian. Your favorite. Yeah, World in One News. Prince came and went. Many leaders were voted out. New vaccines and treatments emerged. But one thing is still unchanged. This man. Dr. Tedros, soon to be re-elected as the chief of the World Health Organization. Today was nomination day. The WHO's executive council held a secret vote. Spoiler alert. Oh, secret vote? <laughs> That's not a good start, is it? No. Anyway, spoiler alert. Uh, Tedros won. Not surprising, since he was the only candidate running. The actual election will be held in the month of May. It promises to be another stunt. It's not a question of if he will win. It's a question of how many extra votes he will get. <laughs> Frankly, we should all be jealous of Dr. Tedros. He messed up royally for two full years. 5.6 million people died on his watch. And what penalty does he get? Nothing. The world is offering him one more term. Most people are not so lucky. But then again, most people are not on China's payroll. (laughs) Wow. Uh, He does not. (laughs) Not pulling any punches. Uh, Well, you know, you've got to to put it in context. Um, China, Palki, Palki Sharma from Weon, from India. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a certain level and, of antagonism between India and China. Yeah. Uh, of course. But it's kind of, it is true. He's on the Chinese <laughs> payroll. So, um, you know, if, if, if she mm-hmm. says dance or jump, he says how high. Yeah. It has been since the beginning. I mean, you can go back and watch the clips from twenty early 2020 and late 2019 of him praising the uh, the CCP for the way they've dealt with this with this uh, terrible affliction and uh, what the world can learn from uh, how they've dealt with things from China. welding people in their own homes putting yeah. tiles outside your apartment oh, block. Man, I tell you, is I mean, is there no limit to his shame? Evidently not, you know. Mm. But at least he's a good COVID citizen. Being a good, responsible COVID citizen is something we should all 
uh, aspire to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, one last uh, segment of the COVID. Cool. Uh, Dr. John. Dr. John Ooh. Campbell. Uh, nurse John Campbell. Nurse educator. Yeah. Uh, P- uh, P- pretty huge dick. Um, Dr. John, PhD, yeah. Not not an MD. Uh, well, yeah, same as Ted Ross said, because yeah. he's not a medical doctor either, oh, head of the WHO, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he might be good at his job. Hey, I'm sure he is. He might be good at his I'm job. I'm sure he's good. For China. I'm sure he is. <laughs> he, um, Dr. John Campbell, PhD, mm-hmm. pretty huge dick, did a video about... Uh, a letter that came out recently in the British Medical Journal. Oh, yes. Um, calling for transparency in the area of clinical trials, particularly pertaining to vaccines. And right. I, I have a series of clips. Okay, go. Uh, link in the show notes. It's like a 20-minute video, and I recommend you watch it. for like a, a, an, Or you can. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes to the actual letter in the BMJ if you want to just read it as it is. But I just thought I'd take some clips because it's more interesting to listen to Dr. John than for me to read it out. Yeah. Always. So, yeah, it's a BMJ article demanding transparency and data releases, particularly mm-hmm. from pharma companies and regulators. Click one, fire away. Go. So, article here. Now, I haven't got the paper copy of this yet because it's not... Uh... It's just a new uh, paper, but this is COVID-19 vaccines and treatments. We must have raw data now. And the full article is there and and it it is well referenced. So what is this about? Well, the the authors of this article in British Medical Journal seem very concerned that we're not being given enough data on vaccines and treatments in COVID-19. And of course, this is absolutely uh, critical. Let's go through the paper because it does explain it remarkably well and um, it it is somewhat concerning. So he goes on to give a bit of background and um, he goes back to the H1N1 influenza season and Tamiflu. It's a bit like you mentioned with the swine flu from uh, 12 12 years ago now, isn't it? Yep. Now, background to this, uh, 2009 to 2012, um, I remember being part of the, uh, well, I was more of an observer, really, but in in, uh, Cambodia, there was a bigger vaccination campaign for the H1N1 in those times. Um, So I was kind of around there. But at that time, there was a big fuss about uh, stockpiling uh, Tamiflu. So Tamiflu was the big antiviral that was going to save loads of lives. And it was being sold on the Internet and there was a black market in Tamiflu. Uh, Major trials had been sponsored by the manufacturers. Governments were stockpiling it, spending billions of pounds and dollars on it. But the papers are actually ghostwritten, paid for by the manufacturers. And academics who requested access to the data for independence analysis were denied. And to be quite honest, no, no one bothers with Tamiflu anymore, as far as I'm aware. It's, um, we did have some in the cupboard in, in A&E, but I've never saw it used, uh, despite people coming in with influenza. And um, basically, I don't think it's... It doesn't seem to be used that much anymore, so it's just like fallen by the wayside, despite all these billions spent on it. I mean, there was dispatches, you know, Channel 4 dispatches from that time period. Well, not that time period, like 18 months after or two years after about how uh, there was investigations got in, uh, going on uh, against the EU because the EU as a block spent billions on Tamiflu right. and it was just, there was just warehouses full of it just right. wasting away. And 
So he sums that up nicely, um, and then he brings it back to to today, to uh, 2022. COVID. So that that was 2009 to 2012. So obviously we've moved on a lot since then, haven't we? No. Um, have we? Um, today, despite the global rollout of COVID-19 vaccines and treatment, the anonymized participant level data underlying the trials for these new products remains inaccessible to doctors, researchers and the public. Now, that raises a question in my mind. Uh, why? Why do you think, Dr. John? Mm. Is this not now in the public domain? Uh, The British Medical Journal direct quote, this is morally indefensible, indefensible for all trials, but especially those involving major public health interventions. So I agree for all trials and I agree with public health interventions. Yeah, so like the the granular anonymized data is is not being released the drug companies own it and they're keeping hold of it and uh, let's move on let's um it goes through each vaccine manufacturer and some of the therapeutics and uh it just starts with pfizer and that's i, I wasn't gonna clip them all because we'd be here all night so let's go through uh pfizer's policy on releasing the trial data Uh, Pfizer's pivotal COVID uh, vaccine trial designed, run, analysed, authorised by Pfizer employees. Now, no one's saying they will be biased, of course, uh, but it would be (laughs) nice to have some external peer review. The company and the uh, contract research organisations that carried out the trial hold the data. Well, I wonder why the data is not released. Why, why would this data not be released? Why, why not leave it open to international scrutiny? Why not? I, I don't really know. Pfizer has indicated that it will not begin entertaining requests until May 2025. Uh, I mean, see if- 2025? To okay. even entertain one. <laughs> oh, yes. You can still say no. Oh, yeah, of course we can, yeah. What makes you think... Oh, what, because you paid for it? The taxpayer, because you paid, you funded all the research and you've bought all the doses. What makes you think you deserve to uh, be able to scrutinise this information? No, we just, I refer you to our previous press release, which says it's 95% effective. That should be good enough. Come on, check it. And we need to, uh, can we work on the five-year-olds, five to 11-year-olds now, please? Mm. Because, you know, we can make, we can make two billion a year, man. Mm -hmm. Let's get them in arms. Mm-hmm. What arm can it do? Seriously, <laughs> this data is not going to be released, or they won't begin entertaining requests to 2025. Of course, uh, Moderna's a lot better, is it? Um, he then goes on, he goes over Moderna, AstraZeneca, and then he goes over two of the therapeutics, uh, Regeneron and Remdesivir. Mm-hmm. And it's the same story. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't. Nobody's going to entertain giving away the data. They're not going to allow the anonymized um, trial participant data to be scrutinized at any cost. No, because it would be dodgy as fuck, wouldn't it? Well, that's what I think. Yeah, I would like to be proved wrong, mm-hmm. and I'm certainly not going to take something in my fucking arm unless it's going to be mm. scrutinized by people who are independent. Mm-hmm. The trials are designed, funded, and implemented by the manufacturer, well, I'm not going to take the regulator's word for it because it's a revolving door. 
The regulators work for the pharma companies and then the pharma company directors go and work for the regulators. Why should I fucking trust them? Mm-hmm. It's such a... I mean, if you're in public health, you must be able to see that this is such a massive own goal. People just want transparency. Mm-hmm. It's not difficult. Well, no, yeah. And if, well, if these guys won't offer it, well, all right, we won't bother funding you. We won't buy the doses then. Mm-hmm. But this is... The BMJ uh, letter goes on to explain that there is an ethical dilemma mm-hmm. because we're in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do journals like the BMA publish the information that's fed to them by the pharmaceutical companies, which they've paid for and managed? Or, the, or did they say, no, we need to wait till can we have all the data, please? Oh. And then, you know... Pascal Sorio or Albert Bully goes, oh, you want to wait? There's people dying in the corridors. You're going to wait for independent data? Mm. No, 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 no. You publish now. We get this in arms. Save many lives. You look good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the fucking evil. Well, yeah. it's not evil. It's, it's pure capitalism, and uh, they have no social conscience because they they are an entity that is created to make money for shareholders and well we'll go on to that with dr john actually which is this is this one i think this is clip five um with that in mind and i just love the fact that he's dripping in sarcasm throughout this he's i'm I'm sort of slowly watching him getting red but red pilling himself by researching his own videos he spent 50 years in healthcare mainly in like Africa and the Far East, mm-hmm. doing working in, in, you know, places, rural areas where there is fuck all and he's been going out there. And then he comes home here and just sees the amount of corruption and the mm. uh, <coughs> lack of integrity and uh, transparency that's happening. And uh, it's quite interesting to watch him gradually red-pill himself. Now, this is from the British Medical Journal as well, and who would have thought it? Um, At least three of the many companies making COVID-19 vaccines have had past criminal and civil settlements costing them billions of dollars. Wow. And that's that's the direct quote from the British Medical Journal. So um, there we go. Who would have thought that these big reputable companies have actually had... uh, um, What was that word there? Criminal and uh, civil... Settlements costing them billions of dollars. Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe he's like a plant. And what he was supposed to do is get his subs up to two million and then start dropping the red pills everywhere. Uh, but yeah, he's at 2.15 now. Did he? He got fact-checked by the BBC this week. Did he? Yeah. How did, he, how did that turn out for him? Um, it's a complete sham. Uh, they should be embarrassed. Oh, the BBC well, well the junior journalist who wrote the piece should be embarrassed. Oh, right. that, um, so he's offered himself out. He said, "Interview me. Come on, let me uh, let me explain why you're wrong." Mm-hmm. Because you know it's uh, it's censorship, basically. At the end of the day, he's going to get kicked off soon, then, isn't he? Well, I don't think off YouTube. YouTube, qu- <sighs> I don't know. Not you. <sighs> he, he did a video about. People dying without comorbidities. Okay. And it's 17,000 since the start of the pandemic in, in the UK. Mm-hmm. They did a video on that. Mm-hmm. And so the BBC wrote an article citing him as saying only 17,000 people had died of COVID. That's not what he said. No. 
But that's the BBC. Stop listening to him. The shit. Yeah. You know, you have to follow the messaging. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Anyway, one last clip, one final quote from the BMJ article. Pharmaceutical companies are reaping vast profits, apparently, without adequate independent scrutiny of their scientific claims, according to the British Medical Journal. Well, who would have thought? This is, this is quite surprising, isn't it? Uh, the purpose of regulators is not to dance to the tune of rich global corporations and enrich them further, apparently, according to the British Medical Journal. Um, it is the purpose of uh, to, it's, it's, their purpose is to protect the health of their populations. We need complete data transparency for all studies. We need it in the public interest, and we need it now. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's taken them two years, but he's uh, there. BMJ finally coming out and saying we need transparency with the data. I, mm. I think it's quite pointless now. Mm. It's like, uh, what, 80-odd percent, 90% of adults have already had it, so it's a bit late. Sorry. Oh, this should have been done uh, Should have been done earlier. The mm. chips have already been... Uh, the die has been cast, as they say, yeah. and we'll see what happens in five years. I hope it's good, but... Guess what? You know, we've all, t- you know, a lot of people have just taken a chance, and we'll see what happens. Mm. Um, the authors of the pay- of the letter, because my initial thought when something comes on BMJ is, is this some random nutter <laughs> who's posted an article to the British Medical Journal? Uh, the authors are uh, Peter Doshi, who's the senior editor, Kamran uh, Abbasi, who's the editor in chief. And Fiona Godley, who's a former editor-in-chief. Right. So there is some weight there. Mm. And uh, the link's in the show notes if you want to read it in full and come to your own conclusions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So to sum up, Dr. John. This really, to me, is applehood and mother pie. Uh, <laughs> motherhood and apple pie. <laughs> what, what, who's going to say oh, motherhood's a bad idea? Who doesn't like, like apple pie? This is just so obvious that this is... We, we need this full data transparency for the world's academic community to analyse. Applehood? This really, to me, is applehood and mother pie. Uh, old adage, <laughs> eat food. <laughs> is that old adage? <laughs> You've never heard uh, mother that? Pie. <laughs> never heard that, that old adage? You only know the old adage, eat food, not too much, mostly applehood and mother pie. <laughs> Plants. <laughs> 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 yeah, apples hood and mother pie. Oh, I think it was worth it. I think it was playing that last slips clip just to get to the apple hood and mother pie. It was. Do you not think? Yeah. yeah. Worth oh. it. You built it. And we got it. Um the BMJ article uh also refers to the FOIA request to the FDA. I've not been tracking this in any great detail. Other than, well, I have a few notes, uh, uh, a paragraph. So, someone puts in a freedom of information request to the FDA asking for Pfizer's trial vaccine, uh, trial data for the COVID vaccine that Pfizer made. FDA says, uh, yep, we'll do that, and we'll do 500 pages a month. Um, Now, for the full anonymized trial data. Mm So at 500 pages a month, you would have the full data 
in sometime in the year 2076. <laughs> so 55 years mm-hmm. to release it. Not really the point, is it? So that got overruled by a judge. Then the judge uh, told them they need to release 55,000 pages a month. Right, okay. How long is that going to take? <laughs> uh, what, like eight months? Uh, I, I did the maths, and I worked out that that means that Pfizer's trial data totals 330,000 pages. Wow. Yeah, it's a bit light. <laughs> What's your? What are your uh, submissions, Ben? How many pages? Well, they're, not, they're not that big. They're, they're in the hundred thousand, so. Yeah. But they're they're not going in. You know, ninety percent of the population. No. They're using them. I think the other thing as well is you know how, how long? Uh, well, go on. No, how realistic is that? All of that is actually read and digested. That's what I was say. So how did the FDA manage to review that in three months? Well, they didn't, did they? That's the point. No. So what is the what is the purpose? <laughs> Rubber stamp? Yeah. Rubber yeah. stamp? Mm. The sponsored, paid for, and, and designed trials by the drug company. Mm. Ah, I'm preaching to the crier, you know. <laughs> it's up to you. You're, a big, you know, you're big boys and big girls. Make your own decisions. Uh, let's move on from the, from the shit show, because you know you know the old adage: eat food. <laughs> you only know the old adage: eat food, not too much, mostly vegan sausage roll. Exactly, plants. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So uh, yeah, um, <laughs> you know. Oh, I'll tell you what. You know the other old adage. You only know the old adage. There's nothing more permanent than a temporary government measure. Yes. 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 Let's, uh, our, a friend of the show, Malin Baker, let's let him explain. The Scottish government has published a bill this week that would make some of its emergency powers permanent. Obviously. The Coronavirus Recovery and Reform Scotland Bill would give ministers the powers to respond to public health emergencies in a similar way to legislation passed in response to COVID-19. So that includes powers to impose lockdown restrictions, allow court hearings to take place remotely and restrict access to schools. And to do these things without further recourse to Parliament. Unsurprisingly, the opposition parties were largely united in dismissing this as a power grab by the SNP. It shouldn't be news to anyone, should it? No. It's it, it's what David Icke would call the totalitarian tiptoe. <laughs> Two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. Oh, it's an emergency. Okay, let's get some emergency powers. The temporary, obviously. Mm hmm. Oh, the emergency's over. Okay, we'll give those parts. We'll keep this bit. We'll have this, but we'll keep some more. Exactly. That's how it works. It's a, it is a power grab. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people saw it coming. Most people just said, well, you know, I don't know. I put it. I put someone in a timeout. <laughs> <laughs> I just put someone in on the YouTube notice step. <laughs> Blocked for five minutes. Yeah. Oh, the the power, unlimited <laughs> power. Oh dear. Neil Young's had a mare, hasn't he? This week. He's had enough, hasn't he? He's had enough. 
Some other people I read today are following suit. There's some uh, an author and podcast I've never heard of, and she said that she's n- not doing another podcast. Um, and apparently that's in relation to Rogan. And um, who's the other one? Uh, Johnny Mitchell. Johnny Mitchell, yeah. Johnny Mitchell and Dave Grohl. What's oh. Dave Grohl said? Um, well, rumblings on the same lines, basically. It's Isn't not... Neil Young? Yeah. All right, well, that's the last time I listened to the Foo Fighters. I mean, I don't really listen to them anymore. So I used to like the Foo Fighters. That one. That's pretty much it, yeah. yeah. That's what they all sound like. Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, he has sort of turned into a bit of a shill, I think, Dave Grohl. I don't think that's anything new, is it? He's the nicest man in rock. Exactly, yeah. Unless you're, uh, you know, an advocate of free speech, <laughs> in which case, well, he thinks you should be deplatformed if you if, if 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 you happen to not agree with him. I mean, as this is the thing now is the 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 media is kind of grabbing on onto this, and yeah. whether or not they stick with him or boot him off would be interesting. I think they've invested too much money. Yeah, it's too much. Hundred million or something was it? Yeah, but over it's, it's the not, over the course of the podcast, isn't it? It's not. It's eleven million downloads an episode. I know. Yeah. Uh, you know, mainstream media can wet, have wet dreams about numbers like that. Yeah, it would have to be Taylor Swift or someone huge to say I, I don't want to be on Spotify anymore for them to even yeah. sit up and take notice. Unfortunately, Taylor Swift and the like earn far too much money from Spotify, getting billions Absolutely. of streams. Well, look what happened when Adele Adele kicked up a sting, didn't want her album track played in any other order than the running yeah. order. Mm. And Spotify said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get rid of that skip track button or whatever it was. For you. Cool. Anything for you, Adele, mm. they said. Yeah, money talks and bullshit walks. Mm. Sorry, Neil Young is an old hippie, and he, you know that's fine. He, he can he's, think what he wants and do what he known. wants, and that's that's fine. Is he not known as like a an old and cantankerous. A, a young cantankerous person? Anyway, yeah, exactly. He's got could, some column inches out of it, which is you did, know. Did you read, probably sell some vinyl? Did you read the statement he made? I did. I, I, there was a lot of capital letters in it. <laughs> Uh, it's dripping, dripping with ego, egotism. Uh, what did it say? You, you can have Rogan or you can have Young. Oh, no. Paul Young? Is he going to say? It's like, ah, sorry, mate. Why can't so, you have both? Well, he doesn't want to be associated. But well, the fact he used his own, he used surnames, it's like... Why would you just use the surname? Like a boxer when he refers to himself in the third person. Well, I think I said in our WhatsApp group, if if he had any brains, he would have gone on Joe Rogan experience. Yeah, or and said what the problem was. Because I'm sure Joe would have had him. What about if you It's not like Joe censors people, it's a not, pretty much not, he has people from both sides. Yeah. He's had, he's had Osterholm, he's had Malone, he's had McCullough, and then he's had uh, the guy from CNN. It's like Mm-hmm. You could argue that he's harder on some of the mainstream guys than he is on the, the fringe guys, but oh, tough shit. Make your case. <laughs> yeah. Hello? Spotify didn't 
they got rid of a couple of his episodes, quite a few, I think, before he moved over. Did they? I think they reinstated yeah, him. They went... There was a there was a big outcry, and I think they reinstated him. Oh, did they? I think so. Yeah, I, I didn't um, know they reinstated. I'm them. pretty sure. The Alex yeah, Jones one was one. Yeah, Alex Jones one. I think you can go back and watch that. I think they had to buckle and pull it down. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they, they had everything's on there basically because it's part of the agreement. Uh, Eleven million a show, three shows, sometimes four shows a week. That's that's getting up to fifty million a week. Mm-hmm. Out of nothing, and what does he do? He just gets someone in and talks to them for three hours, yeah. Un- unedited, zero costs, unfiltered. They come for free as well. Well, no, it might, it might, I think when you when you listen to it, from what I've listened to, it sounds like they they pay for your flights, and then sometimes he'll take you out for dinner the night before the podcast if he likes you. Yeah, maybe would, he'll wrestle you. It, oh no, fucking snap me! <laughs> if I, if I, he couldn't come in the steam room with me, and then we're going to jump in some <laughs> ice. No, I just take me out for some food, Joe. Something you killed yourself. Oh, yeah, preferably some yak or something. Elk. <laughs> <laughs> um, things um, took a serious turn after um, Spotify announced that they were going to uh, remove. Uh, it was quite embarrassing. Oh, fuck me. So, um, Joe from uh, one of the legit back guys um, posted a meme with a picture of Neil Young saying, when you're so woke, you cancel yourself. Which <laughs> I just thought was beautiful. And uh, it turns out that, like, 18 months ago, Neil, Neil Young sold half the rights to all his music, so then he had to ask his publisher, Time Warner, to remove the stuff. Oh, he didn't man. even have control over it. No, yeah, he has sold all of his rights. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I think Time Warner obliged and Spotify obliged. He didn't it's even have control. Older. I'd sell all my rights to all my music if I was that old. I think it's happening a lot. A lot of these old yeah. fellas are doing it. Um, Bob Dylan did it recently mm. as well. I think he sold all his music to Sony or someone. That was about 300 million, I think, that one. Loads, like David Bowie's estate's done it again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but things took a, a serious turn. Uh, got a tweet here from uh, James Blunt. Oh, yeah. If Spotify doesn't immediately remove Joe Rogan, I will release new music on the platform. <laughs> Hashtag you were beautiful. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. It's, I don't know what to make of James Plunt. I, I can appreciate someone who can... Um, it's a humor. bit of self-depreciation. Well, it's like that to the nth degree, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's like a comedian, but I don't know. Army officer. Apparently, he was like the last officer to uh, engage with Soviet troops. Oh, or with wow. Russian troops. In the Balkans. Is I it, don't know. Was, a tank, was he a tank commander? Captain Blood. <laughs> hello. Hello, Captain, Captain Blood here. Yeah. Tank commander. You are beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> better than commanding a tank, though, isn't it? I imagine. Yeah, I pretty much just swan around on yachts now with beautiful women. Exactly, yeah. What's your problem? Yeah, I ain't got a problem with him. He seems all right. Hashtag winning. (laughs) 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 
All right, let's move on. I've got some fun. I've got some fun stuff now. Right, fuck. Yeah, uh, I want to. I've got an update on weekend at Peter's. Do you remember the story last week of the guy in the post office? Oh, fuck with his dead yeah. uncle. Yeah. <laughs> so a man who took uncle's corpse to post office sports black eye as mm. he carries his coffin. A nephew who brought his uncle's dead body to the post office to try and claim his pension has been pictured helping carry the man's coffin at his funeral. Declan Hotney, 40, could be seen sporting a black eye as he and other pallbearers escorted 66-year-old Peter Doyle's casket to the Church of the Holy Family in Carlaw Island on Monday. He revealed he has been the target of reprisals by local scumbags, <laughs> accusing him of being a murderer over the bizarre, <laughs> over the bizarre incident last Friday. Horny and... <laughs> Keep calling him Horny. It's, it's H-A-U-G-H-N-E-Y. Hochney. That's probably it. Hochney and pal Gareth Coakley went to a post office in the town with Mr Doyle's corpse and are said to have been, propped him up at the counter. He insists he did not realise his relative was dead. Oh, fuck off, really. <laughs> oh, fuck off, what do you watch now? What you just fuck off now? <laughs> That's Northern Ireland, isn't it? Yeah, it's more harsh. And uh, mm. speaking to the Irish Daily Mail, he said he had been interviewed by the God Eye, whose investigations into the incident are ongoing, but has not been arrested. The God Eye. The God Eye. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Like Sauron? Police. <laughs> <laughs> A post mortem examination reportedly showed no sign, signs of foul play. So that's good. Mm. The duo is said to have initially. There was a broom up his bum, though. Fuck off. <laughs> the duo. The duo is said to have initially turned up at the branch alone and tried to withdraw the funds, but were, refu- were refused. However, they allegedly returned a short while later with the elderly man propped up between them. With a broom. With, with a jumper pulled up over his face and a hat on his head. They are said to have... They are said to have dropped Mr. Doyle's corpse when a concerned cashier asked if he was okay, claiming he was having a heart attack. Uh-oh. Is, is, is that fella all right? Is he having a heart attack? Dump him! <laughs> dropped him and ran off! We've been rumbled! <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake, get out of here! <laughs> Hochney insisted he and his friend had no idea Mr. Doyle had passed away, telling the paper his uncle was frail... <laughs> and often had to be held up when venturing out. He denies running away from the post office and claims he was merely trying to contact other friends, family members, before going back. Despite being targeted by angry locals and roared at on the streets by people shouting, Murder! <laughs> Hochney has refused to lie low, insisting he has nothing to hide. I've also been jumped by local scumbags who beat me up because of what they read. My auntie has advised me that I keep a low profile, but I told her I won't because I'm not a murderer. Peter helped raise me. We were like brothers. You would want to be the bad bastard to drag your uncle out of bed when he's already died. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully when people see my side of the story and see how I have the support of my family, they'll start to see things differently. We went a little bit north then, didn't we? Yeah, I think I went a bit a bit north and I, and then, didn't I? Maybe they'll say things differently. 
So fucking harsh and angular, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> Get away yeah. from her, you bitch. <laughs> Get away from her, you bitch. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any Northern Irish. Oh, yeah, me mo- oh, sorry. Yeah, my grand's from, my grand was from Belfast. Was she? Belfast. Aye. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. British man 70 dies inside happy hen... Ha. Inside a high hen? <laughs> British man 70 dies after happy ending massage parlour in Thai Sin City, Pattaya. Uh, wh- where's that? Thailand. Oh, right. Not, not Preston. <laughs> Police say they arrived at the lovely massage shop in the Banglamung district of Pattaya City to find Robert John Swain, 70, had died at the scene. Grab his dick and twist it! <laughs> the pensioner was pronounced dead before his body was moved to the hospital. According to Newsflare reports, Mr Swain had taken off his clothes and was lying naked on the massage table while being rubbed with oil by the masseuse Miss Araya. Yeah. 39, shortly after 3pm. Oraya said it was the first time Mr. Swain, who arrived on a rented Honda motorcycle, had visited the parlour for a massage. Everything was going normally. And <laughs> I noticed he was sleeping, she said. Suddenly he started struggling to breathe. He was gasping and choking. I called the other girls for help and we started pumping his heart. After coming to the conclusion that they were unable to revive him, staff covered his body with a towel. The investigating inspector for Nong Pru Police Station, Police Lieutenant Colonel Titat Truncheon... <laughs> Get out. <laughs> charged with handling the case, said officers had arrived, cordoned off the scene to keep people away from the parlour. They checked there was no sign of any abuse. <laughs> <laughs> He continued, the cause of death is still on, <laughs> is still unclear. The body must be sent for autopsy. <laughs> what the fuck? To summarise the true cause of death, father. Oh, God. <laughs> Got loads of Thai accents stuck in your moustache. <laughs> it's a mystery. We don't know what happened. No. No. It just... They started pumping, <laughs> but <laughs> just too excited, wasn't he? And then he just died. It's it. Is that an open and shut? You think that's what's happened? Seventy-year-old man. Yeah. Gets off his rented Honda, strips off with Miss Miss uh, Oraya. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I think you're dead. <laughs> I think you want you to death. Can I get some help, please? I think you're dead. <laughs> Eat on, man. <laughs> We stop pumping, he's still down. <laughs> I don't know. I want to know more about T-Tat Truncheon. T-Tat Truncheon. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I hope he, he gets to the bottom of the case. Mm, so, yeah, I hope he doesn't have to wave his truncheon around. T-Tat. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> T-Tat Truncheon. Total rhubarb. Total rhubarb. I've got one, one last one to finish on. Right, one. Schoolboy loses both nipples after classroom Oof. dare involving two cans of links. What did he do? Did he burn them? So, for uh, 
listeners outside the UK, Lynx is a... Axe body axe. spray. Yeah. Ah, what's Axe? Lynx. That's what Lynx is elsewhere. In the oh, world. right. So if you go to America, it's called Axe. It's like it? GIF yeah. and Sif. But now it's called Sif here, isn't it? And Snickers and Marathon. Marathon. Yeah. Oh, pal fruit. Yeah, so Lynx yeah. is a, a body spray popular with uh, pubescent boys. Uh, this nearly 40-year-old man. Would you use really? it? Really? <laughs> yeah, why, why would I, I change? Uh, no, I use like one of, one, of, one of the grown-up fragrances. Like, Do Lynx have any grown-up fragrances? I don't know. Like black. <laughs> is that called Lynx Black or something? Yeah, <laughs> treacle. <laughs> What do you use? Um, sure for men, I think. Is it antiperspirant or deodorant? Antiperspirant, yeah. Yeah, I can't use antiperspirant. Oh my god! What kind of fucking you don't use anything? You don't use anything. Nonsense. <laughs> are you sure for men? What do you use? Well, that's the what do I? Name. I don't need. What do you mean? What do I use? I don't need anything. I just stink though. So yeah. smell. Uh, that's I, do a, I, do a, I do a lot of sweating. It's called a musk. <laughs> it's <No>. called <laughs> pheromones. How do you think you attract a mate? Um, by smelling nice. <laughs> no, by smelling like filth. Ooh, by mm. smelling like, like a filth. Filth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm. Yes, I want to breed with him. Oh, no. Oh, he smells like... A perfume factory. He smells like Africa. Oh, what a beta male. <laughs> yes, he'll be easy to control. I'm I'll, a, I'll pick him. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Sigma male. <laughs> well, to be honest, uh, I, don't, I think there's a good argument to not using antiperspirant. Yeah. This is a, Sweating is a bodily function and it's necessary. Something that stops you from sweating is probably not a good idea. There was something there along the... I can sweat from elsewhere. There was um, an issue... Pouring on your face! (laughs) (laughs) With aluminium oxide linked to cancer. Uh, But I don't think they really use it anymore in antiperspirants. Uh, Oxley. (laughs) Loxley. Uh, What's the the, uh, renegade chemical engineer? I think he's called Oxley. He's been on a crusade against aluminium. Right. Uh, he's, he's on my hit list, my ever-growing, ever-expanding hit yeah. list. Uh, University of Exeter, professor at University of Exeter. Oh, right, okay. Uh, yeah, Alum- aluminium. 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 Probably, uh, probably not supposed to spray it on yourself, but I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, oxidised aluminium. Like, it's like chemtrailing yourself. <laughs> it's a little chemtrail across your chest. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, schoolboy loses <laughs> nipples after classroom day involving two cans of links. Uh, a student lost his nipples after he was dared to squirt two cans of body spray on them, causing the body parts to fall off. What? Well, the, bo- the boy, who was not named, was in his school changing room when someone challenged him to empty two cans oh. onto his exposed chest. Oh, oh God. Immediately. Immediately afterwards, someone flicked his nipples, causing them to fall off. Oh, no. I'm invincible. <laughs> this is from, uh, he said, 
at first it's just cold. It's not really a big thing. And then it starts to burn and you're just there waiting for it to finish. It was fine. It was all fine. Then the boy who was actually freezing my nipples, he flicked both my nipples and that's when the nipples fell off. Have you ever seen a wart? It was exactly like that. It hurt and it was raw, exposed skin. The University of Liverpool student lost his nipples as a 15-year-old schoolboy and went to his next lesson as if nothing happened. He added, I'm in German, just sitting, and my nipples are now gone. And I'm just chilling, and then people are like, his shirt is bleeding. And you just see two bloodstains from both my nipples. My German teacher actually stopped the lesson and was like, what's going on? Do you need to go to the medical room? And I was like, (laughs) I was like, nah, it's fine. Me. He added, people usually react with disbelief when he reveals his lack of nipples, although most people end up laughing, including his first girlfriend. Although he urged purple purple chicken. That's how you know. Do you know about the purple chicken? Yes. Explain the purple chicken, Ben. Oh, no. There's just the two words in the Liverpoolian accent that are like outrageously obvious that it's a Liverpoolian accent. Yeah. I didn't explain that very well. Purple <laughs> chicken. Yeah, how do you do it? Purple chicken. Purple chicken. Purple chicken. Purple chicken. And what's the emblem of Liverpool FC? It's Fucking purple chicken, isn't it? <laughs> it's a red chicken. <laughs> no, it's a purple chicken. Red. Purple chicken. <laughs> It's like, how thick can a Scouse accent get? Pretty thick. I've I've struggled. I mean, I've I've known dozens and dozens of Scouses over my life, but there are some. It's like, I don't know what you're fucking saying, man. <laughs> you're like, you're from 40, 40 miles down the road. I don't fucking understand. It's wild, isn't it, about this country? Mm. I think this is quite unique to the British Isles, the uh, depth and breadth of, of accents. Mm. Of accents. accents, mate. <laughs> accents. Mm. You know, it's like a Geordie and a Scouser in a room yelling at each other. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, you might as well be a fucking alien. I'm an alien, illegal alien, living in New York. Yeah. Right, are we done? Yeah. Come on, then. Yeah, let's go. Let's, uh, let's bust this popsicle stand. Isn't that what they say? Let's go see if we've got just enough time now to praise Jabalon. Total rhubarb. Deodorise my nipples. Yeah, good idea. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, Make sure you come back next week. We'll be back next week. Uh, Join the Discord if you want to know who's coming on next week. Yeah. I'm sure it's it's someone fucking wicked. Do you want me to say? How dare you? Doubts. (laughs) No, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Andrew? I think you're hitting hitting the point, Phil. Yeah, I think we should leave it. I think okay. we should leave it. I think Shatkin says we should leave it on that. Join the Discord, then. Yeah, join the Discord, you motherfuckers. Because, you know, all we're trying to do is... We're just trying to keep people safe. We're just trying to keep people safe. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the important thing. I can't have children with a whore. All right, well, uh, we'll see you next week. Take yeah. care. Look after yourselves. Bye. 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 Can accomplish. Save Blockland. We'll also have to learn to die with COVID. <laughs> Fuck off. This is such a crock of people who didn't mother pie. 
Yeah. 